All right, yo, views before the six. Here we are again. We got a very special, special guest. Yeah, it's another episode. Thrust, what up, man? Oh, man, it's, it's good to be here. Always good to do this show. Looking forward to it every time, man. Word up, man. Yo, this week we got our man Danny O up in the spot. Repping, 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 right, Danny O. Monolith, Monolith, what up? Mono, mono, you know, mono. man, what's right. good, brothers? All right, y'all, first question we ask everybody is. You're good right into it. Right? Okay. Right. Were you born in Toronto? Yeah, I was born in Toronto. All right, so what's your background then? My background? Yeah. My father is Spanish. My mom is Jamaican. Word. Let me be clear, though. Yeah. Because man is always talking about how they're Spanish, eh? Yeah. But not from Spain. My dad's from Spain. Okay, word. And Spanish mans hate it. Yes. When niggas say they're from, they're Spanish, Spanish, but they're not from Spain. We're talking about, like, anyone. Puerto Rican, Mexican, Argentinian, Peruvian, Colombian. Say where you're from. Yes. You're not Spanish. Yes. If you're not from Spain. So that's one from my pops, because he gets hot, man. I never read Yeah, okay. people always say it in Spanish, bro. See? See? Every- it's like saying you're English, bro. Exactly. You know, you speak yeah, it. Yeah, you speak it. <laughs> right? You're not, yeah. Spanish, Jamaican. Actual Spanish. Actual. And Jamaican. <laughs> okay, so yo, how did you find hip hop? I got an interesting story for you, man. Um, I can pinpoint exactly when I found hip hop. Okay, word. I was in grade four, 10 years old. I was on a camping trip. Okay, this is a school camping trip, bro. And. <laughs> They had this really. Where'd you go? Where'd you go? We can get it. It's a place called Camp Samac. I have never looked it up to see if it still exists. Uh huh. S A M A C. For anyone who wants to look it up, maybe. Okay. Yeah. So it's a camp. It was a grade four camping trip, bro. It was like close to the end of the year. I know because it was in June. Because I was born in June, so I remember it was my. I was around when I was turning ten years old. I actually say this in Dear Hip Hop. Ever since I was ten, you've been my best fucking friend. This is how it started. Okay. Okay, So I'm at Camp Samac, bro, and they had this idiotic policy to. Keep every kid's medication with one teacher in one uh, cabin. We're in different cabins. Eh? Yeah. <clears throat> and as I told you earlier, I- I'm asthmatic. At least back then, I was worse than I am now. Me and camping don't mix, bro. I'm out there and I start hacking. This is late, late at night now. It's like after the day. I wasn't yeah. too bad, but late at night now, I'm hacking, bro. Coughing, coughing, coughing up. And my whole cabin's awake. I don't know what time of night it was. Obviously, we're kids. We're supposed to be sleeping. But I can't stop fucking coughing, bro. But my puffer isn't anywhere around. It's with some other teacher in some other cabin because someone had the bright idea to keep all the medicine in one place. So someone has to go find this teacher, go wake up up the teacher, go wherever cabin was to go coughing away, bro. Everyone's awake and cheesed. So finally, they come back with this puffer, man. I take it. I start breathing easy again, but everyone's awake. Mm-hmm. So my teacher, I have to credit him, Mr. Nash, my grade four teacher, oh, okay. right, 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 comes right. in, Nash. comes in, he goes, all right, because, you know, everyone's up. He goes, all right, you know what? Everyone just settle down, relax, get in, get in the bed. <clears throat> I'm just going to run some music. I don't know what made him come up with this idea because yeah. this was not relaxing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He threw on a cassette of the Beastie Boys License to Ill album. Okay. And I fell in love. I was like, what is what this? Because up till then, it was all Yo, Michael Jackson. Beastie Boys, we got something common. You know what's weird? You know the first one that I ever rapped on? Beastie Boys. Is that right? Cookie Puss. Beastie Boys. I actually used to cut wow. off the first single, like the indie single. And that's what I learned what I learned to rhyme on. So you see, we got something common. Wow. Beastie Boy connection. Beastie Boy How connection. crazy is that? Think, and you wouldn't put that. You wouldn't. You wouldn't right, put that. Right, 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 right. It, it was so... It was so. That's ill. It was so pinnacle to me because I had already made the decision I was going to do music. Okay, I wanted to be Michael Jackson when I was a little kid. Okay, it worked. So you know, I 
could be, but I loved, still love MJ and stuff. So up until then, like, uh, whatever you want to call it, funk, soul, disco, pop of the 80s mm-hmm. was what I listened to. I heard the License to Ill album. I was like, it blew my yeah, mind that this, from. yeah, like this, that this sound. existed. I, when that camping trip was over, I found myself in a store picking up the tape. Still got the tape. Um, and any other hip hop I could find, bro. And so that was how my foray started. And the side note to that, which isn't really a side note, it's really a part of the story, is the Camp Samak groups, they put us in the groups. We could create our own groups with our own friends. And I was in a crew called the Bad Boys. It has nothing to do with hip hop. This is yeah. just the name of our little crew. Yeah. And I didn't. I don't even think I spent a day being a hip hop fan before I started trying to write rhymes. And right. I wrote. And I wrote a little rap called the Bad Boys about the bad. No one was a rapper. Yeah. It's just that's the crew. This is the crew. Yeah. You know. So my first rap ever was the Bad Boys. Still, because of the Beastie Boys crazy. having inspired yeah. me and. Yeah. So, so wait, what there. was your rap name then? MC Rock D. Rock D. Okay. Now, Pete, Pete, you're RMD. RMD. How crazy is that? Because Pete, the Beastie Boys, influence. You got Ad Rock, MCA, and Mike D. I was MC Rock D. I was literally all three of them. Word, word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So MC Rock D. That lasted about two years. Because, like I said, the Bad Boys wasn't no rap group, so my, my bo- who ended up really becoming my brethren's, um, ended up starting a rap group. Two years later, I was 12, and my homeboy J Trill, who's still my brethren to this day, my barber to this okay. day, Filipino okay. cat, yeah. so we're still boys. Uh, we created a group called Too Weird, just because we had this weird sense of humor, and mm-hmm. we talk a lot of weird shit. It w- we were highly influenced at the time, too, by, like, De La Soul's first album, so the flowers and peace signs and all the interludes sure. on the yeah. album yeah. that created this whole comedic story of the game show, you know? Exactly, the three- of course. So our first album was influenced by that. We called ourselves Too Weird, and uh, we just smushed our names together. So I'm Daniel E. Feraldo, Dan E.O. Yeah. Jason Trillis is J. Trill. So Danny O. That's where it came from. Huh? That's how it comes Word. from. Okay. At 12 years old. The Genesis. So crazy. I was MC Rock D for like two years. Okay. So I've never been asked that, you know. Yeah. Dope, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yo, so then who's the first Toronto rappers you remember? First Toronto rappers, well, I probably have to throw credit um, the way of Maestro and right. Mishi. Um, okay. I would say Dream Warriors is in there too because my first, the first taste that I can remember, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, was I think it was a Soul in the City special. This is before Rap City existed. That's right. That's Shouts right. to Michael That's Williams. Right. Motherfucking Michael Williams. Yeah. Williams. Now, Soul in the City did this rap special. I'll never forget it because I taped it somewhere on VHS to this day. Okay. And it was an all rap special. Now, back then, you guys probably remember, like, to find a, a hip hop video on TV was like a gold. I was like, oh my God. Gosh. Right? So sometimes I'd stay up past my bedtime trying to find a, you know. And, um, anyways, <clears throat> tape Soul in the City. And as part of it, credit to them, they had this segment on Canadian hip-hop. And they showed little clips of performances. I remember this. Okay. Maestro was part of it. Mishy was part of it. Dream Warriors were part of it. There's some names I unfortunately am forgetting. But that, that little, those clips were shown. And then they showed the video for I'm Showing You. Yeah. 
So this is oh, pre-backbone. Man. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So okay. to my recollection, yeah, that was my first like. I don't even think yeah. I've ever seen that video. To be honest. Yeah, it's, I remember that. You remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's you can tell it's it's what I don't know what to call camcorder styles, yeah, yeah. but that was it. I remember that because that was before backbone, right? No, Wes was influential. Oh, for sure, yes. and you know, to this and day, too, of man. course, Peter, of course, I'll always Peter and Anthony this. Davis. I'm gonna give right. a shout out. First offense, yo, them dudes, they produced that whole album. Them mm-hmm. dudes was way ahead of their time too, and they had their own rap group too. They had their own. They could rap, yeah. DJ, yeah. and produce. So what's no one talking about? But a lot of people don't mention Peter Anthony. I want to shout him out. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. First, first offense on the mix. Yeah, yeah. they were Absolutely. probably the first studio for you Scarborough heads. They were probably the first real. Like Scarborough basement, like he yeah, had, like studio. He went to their spot. They had all the drums, they had everything. I went to their basement, like sick. Kid in the can, so actually were like, yo, you know what I'm saying? Okay, so on that on that tip, you always lived in the East End growing up. Yeah, pretty much. Um, you asked me where I was born earlier, so I was born in North York, General. Okay, where? We're gonna get the specifics now. Yeah, yeah. And so I grew up like till I was about nine at Don Mills and Steels, and then moved to McCown and Steels, which is just down the road. So basically, the border of Scarborough into Scarborough. So technically, the northeast. I've always lived in the north of the city. Okay. So even though yeah, I rep the east, and I've always been in the east, it, right at Steels, which is you know across the streets, Markham. So. Yeah, okay, so yo, that's where I'm from. There's the fame story of you on Electric Circus, yeah, winning the battle. <laughs> How old were you when that happened? Thirteen. So a year later, so you start rapping. You got to yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got to go through the details. Here. It's yeah, the sure. We go stretch it out. <laughs> no, so explain that story to people who don't know. Like, how did it how that happen? Happened? Yeah, yeah. Well, like I told you, so too weird was an elementary school thing. We, you know, me and my boy Jacho, we just started rhyming. Um, and I should mention this because this, this is actually part of the story. So Jay Chill and I were rhyming. We put together two tapes, and this is how we recorded, okay? We're literally talking about tape deck here, tape deck here. Play on this one, record on this one. And you're just spitting into a tape deck. So literally, you have to do your whole track one tape. Oh, yeah, no. No, I, I did not know what a studio was, yeah. bro. That's why I'm even fascinated to hear your stories because to me, that era where you were like peeping, you know, first offense in their uh, studio, that would have been like... Dream come true for me. The thing is, that area we were using four track. See, at least you had a four track. We oh, we do. We jacked everything. (laughs) Back then, we jacked four tracks. Sorry, Long McQuaid. <laughs> <laughs> that was fast, dude. We nice. were still 50s, dude. Four track, drum machine. Some people put like, people just got the stuff, whatever. But the thing is, we got everything with no manual. And we literally just learned. We learned to do. Sick. Okay, wait, wait, wait. We weren't even there. But, but do you still have these tapes? Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. See, this is... This I'm actually... Yeah, man. I'm, I'm pretty meticulous with my collection. Okay. So right. right on down to, like, the same Electric Circus stuff that we're leading up to, that VHS, I have it. Um, I've since put it, posted it to YouTube, but, like, I have these things and I've always Word. been a collector. Word. That's what's up, To man. document. Thrust and I were talking about that the other day at the video shoot that we both still have, like, flyers from back yeah, in the day and all that stuff. So. Word, word. So I do. Because it's, it's, it's got archive it. Yeah, so... But, so what you were saying, though, the link to product, right. how it all ties <laughs> in, you know, so there was that kind of thing, which, like, was what you were doing. Yeah. And everybody's feeling the way and lying on the floor of the mic trying That's to it. do whatever. But... Then there was that bridge between people we talked about earlier going back and forth, New York, back and forth. And then so certain people come and show. So Schooly D came, he brought his SP12. Heavy D came, I'm like, okay. SP12 sound check. Well, what's that machine? And then when Mishy, all goes back to Mishy again. Yeah, no doubt. 
when Michi you started messing with Scott LaRock, remember that's that same time critical mm-hmm. beat down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's we was right on the yeah. mark. Was only four or five people knew how to use that. I remember the SP12 came. I think Jam on Strong had one. Beat Factory had one. For real. And that's sick. And I think hear. someone else. And then and then Ron had one of his Ron Nelson. That that was probably my and then first. X got the next one and Power got his. So it was like five. Or, and then I think um. Swift, no, Howard never had us. Howard no, had Kwame and Jazzy had us. Kwame and Jazzy, that was around the same right. time. Uh, People right. got this in like groups, right? Yeah. But it was only probably about six or seven in yeah. the city. And then yeah. you know the people's houses. So everybody went to those houses and just kind of built well, The circle went there yeah, yeah. after through Fresh Arts. And then they picked up, and then Socks, everybody ran. Yeah. And that's the same your timeline. Like, well, that's the funny thing. It's like, it's fascinating for me to hear this stuff because this was before my time. I still had mm-hmm. not been in a studio. You mentioned Ron Nelson. That was one of the first. Uh, studio on Apache was one of the first studios I'd ever been in um, and I was just fascinated that be, to be even in one mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying because right. you know like I said my story was we're making these tapes using tape decks and one take raps man like chorus included some some didn't have chorus because you just gotta don't mess up or you gotta start from the start you know so my first little attempt um, was the Cold Front compilation. Word. Okay? Word. So... Shout out to Bronski. Shout out, shout out John Bronski. And I'll tell you why. I'm going to double shout out John Bronski. This is a real real story, and he deserves uh, this love. Because J. Trill, um, you know, he was hip-hop, but I really took my rhyming seriously. Like, I was, you know... Um, like I said, before I started rhyming, I knew I wanted to do music. So if I wasn't going to be the next MJ, I had to be, you know... I, I had to, So I was serious. So what I ended up doing was I took a couple of tracks that we had already recorded, like solo joints from the two weird tapes, and submitted them to the Cold Front compilation. And <clears throat> to his credit... Now, mind you... Again, I've never been in a studio. I'm talking about tape deck recordings with somebody else's beat. It was funny as hell. Can I tell you something funny as hell? Okay. John used to live with me around that time. Is that right? Yeah, me and John. I just love these stories, man. Hip-hop stories, the ties and stuff. And I used to always be by Street Sound, and that's when they did Cold Front. Dude, I remember I was sitting in Lopez. You know Polly Lopez? Polly Lopez. Lopez. And Vronsky was listening to all that things. So I probably heard you. Dude, dude you might have. That's I had to sit in the office right next to Dinah there. They were up in the building. We used yeah, to go yeah. there every day. And John, I'm going listen to this. I got to choose all these joints for the cold friend. Like, John, you got wow. to go on. You know, yeah, man. Well, John Bronski called me. Now, again, 13-year-old me is going, this is dope that I even got a phone call. Because what I had not realized is I thought maybe what he would do is like, bring me into the studio or something. He's like, where'd you record this? I've since talked to him about the story. He's like, yeah, I remember. It sounded like you recorded the song in a phone booth or something. Because it's horrible quality. Right, right, it's right, not right. my beat. Yeah. So I'm telling him, I'm like, look, I, I, I've never been in a studio. Yes. I, these are someone else's beats. I just took from some record. You know, I'm just rapping over them, thinking that maybe if you like the way I rhyme, you can do a track. So obviously it wasn't about that. But... I credit him because he liked what I did and thought that I had potential, and I felt very encouraged, even though I wasn't, you know, no, obviously okay. wasn't on the compilation. I got a phone call, back. I got a phone call yeah, yeah. from someone telling me that I was right. dope. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. it was really inspiring. So at the time, man, I was just going to birthday parties, like elementary school birthday parties, and if there was a mic, I was rhyming. And Lindo P, who grew up in my yes. area, yes. all right. So he grew up in my area, and I'm the same age as his sister. He's a mm-hmm. few years older than us, and he he DJ some of these parties. Mm-hmm. So I would 
rhyme at these parties, you know, just literally. Yeah, man. And, and, and so Lindo kind of technically discovered me because I was just busting flows at a party once. He's like, yo, who's this guy? Whatever. And so he brought me, he brought me to his crib and I knew him as the DJ. I didn't even recognize yet that he was like a serious yeah, dance hall reggae artist killer, you know. So <clears throat> what we ended up doing was. We just threw some rhymes down. Same thing, taking beats. I remember I made this tape with him. I took like a third bass beat and a, I don't know, like public enemy, any beats that we could find instrumental to and just recorded some, some songs. When I discovered that Electric Circus was going to have this contest, this was actually their second one. Their first one was to win tickets to see MC Hammer. And I remember Frank Morell won that contest. Wow, he, he later, wow. Frank Morell then, I remember, would do that song with Brothers from the Ghetto, yeah. Simply Majestic. Jeez. So they had a song and a video and all this stuff. So I'm like, Scratch, right? Yeah, starting scratch. from Scratch was scratch. part of that. Scratch, scratch remembers all this scratch shit. And, um, and I'm just a kid watching this shit on Rap City and Electric Circus going, that's the guy who won the contest. Yeah. Like, oh shit. I'm the kid thinking, that's how you get on. So LL Cool J was coming to town. They're going to have this second rap-off contest. Okay. I'm like, I'm in this, yo. So I go to Lindo's house. Yeah. We recorded that over... I actually remember this shit. I have a bad memory, but a good memory for this shit. Okay. We recorded it over him going... He, he, he juggled Moni in the Middle. Yep. An up-tempo beat. Yeah. And I rapped this track called Can't Test Me that I had written specifically with a battle state of mind. Like, I was just trying to be Big Daddy Kane. Yeah. You know, and I remember, so we recorded it to cassette, probably not the greatest quality either, because, you know, and um, I remember writing the submission on this little piece of paper, uh, Can't Test Me by MC Danny O and DJ Lindo P, and I said, trust me, this is the winner. I was that bold and cocky and confident. Wow. Ooh, I legit said that. MC, man. I legit yeah. said That's that. A real MC. So then real MC. we got a call, and I'm like, oh, this is amazing and the call was for for i was one of 10 artists to go to i wish i remember the name of the club man it was a club thing for the top 10 to be chosen by some judges and i went do you, do you remember who any of the judges were oh, was there anybody the monica dior one of the judges no, no i didn't meet her no, no. Okay, 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 i okay. wish i could remember okay uh, yeah my memory wait, hazy wait, wait, some wait, 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 hold on this is what i also yeah. want to know was anybody else of note in that competition, though, like somebody you could definitively say, like you know, like Wyo, I wish I or, could. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, no. I hadn't met Wyo yet. I'd meet okay, him okay. next year. Um, I wish I, I wish I could answer that question because I do. I only remember Gab, um, gifted in black, because he also. Okay. We were the top two. Yeah. So of course he was part of it. Here's what I do remember. I got on stage with Lindo P, and again, ignorance, brand new to the game. I'm like, oh, there's no turntables. I'm thinking I'm the MC, he's the DJ. Yeah. Like, we're, you know, <laughs> Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince or Rob Bass and Easy Rocker, whoever else. Right. Mr. C and Kane, like, you could name every rapper and his DJ back mm -hmm. then. No turntables, so I'm like, oh, like, how are you going to cut? And Lindo goes, yeah, man, I'll just get on the mic still. Yeah. So I was introduced to the fact that he could kill it that way that night. So I, I kicked my raps. Oh, by the way, we didn't do the Moni Love thing. Yeah. He found a beat. I'm gonna say there was some. It was an English record. I think the DJ was named Richie Rich, not Rich, the one Rich, from out Rich, here. Rich, Rich. Right. No, from London. G Street Records G or something. Street, you know what I'm talking about? Richie Rich, yeah. Oh, you're fucking. Yeah, that's no, so good. No, you're a hip hop no, encyclopedia. was on G Street at the same time. That's there you go. Richie Rich. That's the record. Cypress, yeah. So that record had. I used. To, I called it a squeal. You know that. You know Big Daddy Kane set it off. Yeah. Da -da -da -da. 
yeah. That was in there. We used so to always said, play that beat. The beat was dope. I remember that record too because the beat was dope because of that accent. It, mm-hmm. kind of like, it was so heavy. The English right. accent. Right. So you won't right. know the beat. You might even you probably know the yeah, beat. Yeah, yeah. And you know what's crazy? I never listened to that record. I only knew the beat because that's the beat we chose to rhyme on. Yeah. And so I rhymed on that. I'll tell you something I do remember. I'm 13-year-old light-skinned kid with a high-top fade and Lindo P. Okay? We got on stage and someone yelled out, Yo, it's Kid and Play! <laughs> and I said um, something to the effect of, Nah, man, it's Danny O and you better remember it. or something. And so everyone goes, Oh, the whole little bold you guy. Like, even in retrospect, I'm like, yes. Why did I fucking do that shit? But I did it. Yeah. We smashed. Gab Smash, we were the top two, and we went on t- TV the next day. Okay. Performed it. So what you see on YouTube is obviously the, the it was live yeah. on television. It was a phone-in, right? Ain't no no internet. Yeah. Phone-in. And, um, yeah, that's how that, that we won the contest. So not only did I obviously get to meet LL and see him in concert, but to me, and I was, you know, I liked LL, mm-hmm. but right. to me it was like, this is how it's going to happen for came me. the door, I said it before. And that's... Yeah, that literally was the starting point. So it's funny, you know, as, much, as many people credit my first single, Dear Hip Hop, as my sort of beginnings, it really was that. Well, that era, Electric Circus. Well, that era, you're in between that era of, like, people who made a name from just live events. Mm-hmm. Toronto had a whole era of just, like, yo, you're huge in Toronto, dude. Everyone's seeing you live. Right. You're getting all the shows. He's opening right. for all the acts. And then there was an era of the recording artists. Yes. You're right. And, and, and I think and that's... And D-Factory launched that. Yeah. With the rap shows, that was the start of, like, okay, the recording artists. Mm-hmm. The rapper right. recording artists. Yeah, because I hadn't really recorded. Yeah. Yeah, to I be mean, real. I mean, from up here, right? Because all the other deals were from the U.S. Remember, Michi got signed in the U.S., Right. Humorous got signed in the UK. Right. Romo got signed in the UK. All, right. the, all of our signings in the 80s was not from within Canada or the U. It was like outside. Wow. Wow. All right, we Kish was Kish. Started Kish was signed That's in right. Canada. Okay. Canada. That's true, yeah. And Split Personality. And then B Factory. You know what I mean? So Woo. that was like the Canadian, right? Yeah. On the cusp yeah, of yeah, that, yeah. right? So, okay, so wait, then how's the first time? What's the first studio experience you have? Um, okay, so right after I got off Electric Circus, I got two phone calls. I guess I'll just throw this out there, man. It ain't nothing to hide. One was from Anthony Bond. Anthony Bond, oh Do my. Do you recognize that? Goodness, I know Anthony's with the... That's the Simply Majestic. Oh, right, 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 right. You gotta get Carl. Be cool. It's my homie Carl. Yeah, yeah. He, he was, so he was already, like, Carl, part of that. And um, from Hutchie, Al Capone. Okay. Oh yeah, okay. that's the other thing too. Yeah. We gotta go into because mm-hmm. you. That's when I first seen you because you was like, yeah. Al- he he. So you gotta go into. Al- uh, so Hutchie. stupid thirteen year old me Hutchie. goes well because Hutchie calls right after Anthony Bond calls. He goes saw you on TV. Think you're great. Da 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 da. So thirteen year old me is on top of the world going oh shit you know like this is exactly what I hoped would happen because this is the same guy who put Frank Morell on. So I'm thinking great my song and video is coming soon. Hutchie calls couldn't have been within an hour later and stuff. Mm-hmm. I like, oh, you know, I already, like, I already signed. You guys get gas. Like, Yo, I got yeah. Song, yeah. I did. I did rap show. You're too late. Yo, for those who, yeah, he was for too those late. Who don't know too, cause some people, some some younger, a younger audience might know what's EC. I see people on the streets. EC is the right. epitome of being on like 
What's, what's like a 106 in Park. 106 yeah. in Park. Yeah. Or even right now, the modern day. It was, not even like, it's just, it was a yeah. specialty show right. for like electronic based. Oh, man. Yeah. And if you, yeah. like, come on. But man, initially, like, EC, but initially, EC, for the record, you could check the tapes, was like a hip-hop show. Like, right. the performances, everybody took over, right. all that stuff. And then right. later, it turned to more like a That's how I show. discovered West. Dance show. And it was, more about, it, was more about the yes. dan- it was more about the dancer than it was the music, per se. Because mm-hmm. I can remember being like, see, you've seen somebody you knew from high school yeah, yeah. But all the, on EC be like oh yo it was, no, but there yeah. was a dance but same with the performances if you that's look right. of course of course and it was worth sifting through hip hop hip hop hip hop yeah, yeah. dance hall dance hall hip hop yeah, yeah. and that, that's what drew everybody in because everyone knew that that's what got me had a live it. element yeah. for like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Yeah. Yo, I'm not going to lie. I just watched it straight from Monica Dio. No, that's, that's just, that's just I, me. I'm, I'm, I'm with like, you on that, too. You know what I mean? Well, I'm just saying, any show, <laughs> it's my story. Any anyway. show, yeah. caliber, a music show, they're going to have the host with the most. The, hot the host of the hostess with the most. I'm with you. Right? I hear you. Right? <laughs> they have the glue, right? Yeah, man. So it's glue. Okay, so then... So, yeah, that's how got going. So then, how does Monolith form? Okay, so... Monolith form... So, what happened was... So, remember now... Winning Electric Circus, I'm still in elementary school. Okay, word, word, word. And so I, I graduated, it was grade 8, graduated, fall, summer passes, now I start high school. So I go to Francis Lieberman, Catholic High School in Scarborough, Lindo P's already a student, and so I come in with all the P's, man, because it's yeah, like, yeah. that you're the dude from, yeah. you know, yeah, you're yeah. Lindo, I'm just a little grade 9 you, yeah. but I, st- I had that, like, yeah, you, was, you, yeah. and um, it was crazy. It was a crazy feeling to kind of feel like I had some form of celebrity status on my first day of high school. And high school is how that all started because one of the dudes in the crew, who's one of my best brethren and producer to this day, Charisma, went to my uh, elementary school. Mm -hmm. He was new to the country at the time. Um, so we both go to the same high, but he was not like a hip hop dude. He was just like the geeky immigrant, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I love him, yeah. but real talk. He just came and so yeah. when I start high school now, one of the first things that happened as a grade nine student is they had this little contest, a rap, another contest. And that, by the way, that was my foray. I was all about like any talent show, any battle officially in a talent show or just outside on the street. Right. I'm like, I'm part of this. I'm yep. going in. And, you know, so there's a contest in my school. It was to do some rap for a car. I think it was some Honda promotion. Don't ask me how that came into the school curriculum. But wow. I had to do, we, so that we did a rap contest. So I did my rap. Grimace Love did his. Right. And interestingly enough, they did not choose a winner. We were co-winners. We did yeah. not know each other, yeah. but we co-won this contest. Yeah. And what ended up happening is every time there was like a school assembly and, you know, when people would be up there singing or dancing or playing instruments, somehow by some strange force of nature, Grimace and I would find each other on the floor of the assembly Energy. and look at each other and just look at like, yeah. man, we should be up there rocking. Yeah. So we never really looked at each other like, well, you're my competition because you rap too. Exactly. We just became down. Became down yeah. Charisma. Was already down with him, and I'm like, yo, you know, you know, you know, because he's. I went to school with him. And I'm like, he's cool like that. Like, you know, I got reintroduced. He's cool now. He found the cool guys. Cool, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So him, my homeboy TJ, who still records and engineers all my music, Grimace and TJ were a hip hop group called Effervescent Play. I was part of Partners in Rhyme, which was me and Lindo P. But Lindo P was more on the reggae thing. So when I was really, you know, I'm the hip hop guy. My homeboy Spidey, 
became part of Partners right. in Rhyme. So Charisma ended up forming a group with a dude we call Black Mantis. He was black with Charisma. So you have these little duos, these groups, and we called ourselves a first the Lieberman Lyrical Coalition because we thought we're going to perform now yeah. and we would do assemblies mm -hmm. and we'd be the rap group and eventually like yo dog this is really not about Lieberman, Lieberman. we're a crew for real yeah. so we were the Lyrical Coalition for two years mm -hmm. up until we met cats from another Scarborough school um, Corey D's, Black Cat, Nish Rocks these guys if I'm not mistaken I think they went to Cedar Bray no Corey went to Cedar Bray. I think Nish was going to some art school. I can't remember. YOK went to Woburn, but we, but he was already part of the Lyrical Coalition because off of EC now, when I was on the Electric Circus, my little, I didn't get signed, but I kind of got, actually I did get signed. That's a whole other story. Okay. That turned into nothing for a good reason. I'm going to tell that one. Okay. Laugh right, right, right. when you hear this. But I ended up doing a few shows. How I got back on EC, this is on YouTube as well, a few months later, I was, I was part of what they called the Fresh Fest there was an event going on, and yeah, myself and Lindo went down, yeah. uh, Fresh B, uh, Be Cool, yeah. Carlito, yeah. Um, S Blank, yeah. uh, Gab, you know, Kid Energy, yeah. I'm trying to holler out everyone who rhymed. So we rhymed on EC again, and then we did this show. MVP was on the show. Yes. Shouts to YLK, because he's yeah. monolith. My homeboy at the time named LC, later Botany Hill, now Courtney Cunningham, the photographer. Who, by the way, shot the front, the front cover of my current album, is, is from MVP, and Simo. So we met there. Simo. Simo was a Yo, third Simo, so I remember your name for song I haven't seen you for so long. Yeah. Big up Simo, man. We spent hours with me and X and X produced everything. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like yeah. Wild too, so we spent hours and hours and X. So that's how, that's how I met Wild and the whole yeah. and, and, and MVP. And so MVP became part of the Lyrical Coalition. They were not part that's of right. Lieberman, but they became part of the crew. And when we met the other guys, they already had a crew. They were called The Horde. Mm -hmm. So we started kicking it. They'd come by to school a lot. We'd freestyle together. We'd do all this rap shit all the time. And eventually it was like, well, we're the LC and you're the Horde, but we're kind of one now. Let's just join crews. Join forces. Yeah. And the one crew, that's where the mono, one rock, monolith. Mm -hmm. I don't know who coined it. It might have been Corey. It could have been Grimace, maybe both of them. But one of those two deserve credit. Okay. That's mm -hmm. how monolith. And that was like 94 when that happened. Yeah. Okay, okay. Happened, so, yeah, let's tell the story right, about this. Right, right. So, here's the story, right? So, like I said, 13 turning 14 year old me says, you know, I'm super excited because I was on TV and I'm getting a deal. And so, I got this contract. Couldn't tell you what was in the contract, man. I showed my dad. My dad's like, we should probably take this to a lawyer. To his credit. You got from Anthony? Anthony, yeah. I know that contract. <laughs> you're gonna, <laughs> why do I have a feeling Thrust is gonna know? I have a feeling you're gonna know exactly. If you know this, I'll be, dude, you'll be the only one I've ever said this to. You, I can't even, dude, I don't know if I'll be real. I feel fearless for I know. You know what the deal is? Back in those days, we tell you something, it was a real thing going around, mm -hmm. and it was like so ghetto that there was just like one contract, dude. Mm -hmm. It was the one contract was everybody got, yeah. And yeah. I ain't lying, dude. I can put out there. There was Lawrence Fisher, I mean, there was Anthony Bond, mm -hmm. and I came with the other dude, whatever. And everybody had one contract, and the contract went around. Cause I seen contracts oh, for all the artists, right? Because you know how expensive it is to make a music contract. Right, right. 
right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if it was the same thing. Because oh, the lawyer straight told my dad, like, don't sign this. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't I remember what was in it, but it's like, I think don't Bill sign this. health, dude. It was like, yeah. <laughs> charter rights is right here. So. <laughs> I don't know. Dude, I, I guarantee you, it's probably the same one. Because, dude, I seen everybody being the contracts. It was the same contract, dude. I wish I could tell you Because we had offers I remember I had deals In different offers I had KGB I had Thrust I had different groups So we had offers With different things With different situations Right Yeah, yeah. And then running with X And then So we seen Different situations And other artists Would come to Ron's studio And they bring their contracts too Hey Thrust Look at this Like if you know Somebody in the industry Like how you bounce stuff off And I'm like Yo the same contract Come on Did they just liquid paper They just liquid paper On the name Put it in their name Just change it Legit Oh that's funny They wouldn't even Reprint it that's no. hilarious. Huh? Maybe they repeat, but it's the same word, the same contract. Same old thing. Well, I couldn't even tell you what was in the contract. I just know I was too excited. Just, yeah, yeah. And my dad's like, you shouldn't sign it. I'm like, I'm signing it anyways. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, luckily, Let's go. luckily it turned into nothing. Because what ended up happening is Anthony, as you can pr- you probably imagine, was simply majestic, If you, for those who might not remember, was more like dance, like house music, house, hip kind house of, yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... While I was kind of down with it, I wasn't really down with it as like my music wasn't that, you know? Exactly. And um, so he was trying to get me to write these dance records. Like, Can't Test Me was just like, again, I'm trying to emulate Big Daddy Kane and go <laughs> in and do Maltese and stuff and punchlines or whatever. He wanted more, you know, this is the beginning of the hearing the talks of do radio tracks and you need to be more commercial. And this is, I'm I'm, I'm starting to, that was the the MO back then for any artist trying to get on. I was like, well, hardcore rap doesn't sell. And this was the days of PMD saying, still, I haven't seen one rapper living comfortably. And I guess at the time it was true, save for the MC Hammers and Vanilla Ices of the world. So I guess he was trying to turn me into... The kid rapper who you. you understand, right? Yeah, like I don't know, not crisscross, but like something catchy and yeah. So I wrote some tracks, but kind of did it my way. Kind of wanted it this way. A year of this goes on. Now I will credit him for I was I actually started kind of getting things like bar counts and choruses and formulating tracks. Right. Before I, I literally my I would write rhymes till there was this much space in the paper. Like that was my fourth that was my thinking of when I'm done writing. Yeah. Now I'm like I'm getting what bars are and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so maybe a year or so passed by and he, and every song I had written I had not recorded. Again, I'm not getting studio experience, I'm just writing. I don't I'm good. not mad at the writing experience, that's but that's what I was doing and I was growing as a writer. And um, you'll end up seeing there's there's another there's an appearance on Rap City in August of 91, where I'm down with the Simply Majestic crew, and I just spit these verses, which were a lot easier to digest than my Can't Test Me verses. Mm -hmm. They were still hip-hop, but, like, I was learning the... They were 16 bars each, you know? Mm -hmm. Can't Test Me was, like, 24 or something, you know? Right, right, So so finally, he's like, okay, I got this song for you. And a year in, about 15-year-old me is saying, you know, I'm getting kind of tired of writing these songs, and nothing's happening. He goes, I got this song for you. It's, it's called the Swing Along Gang. And here's the chorus. Come swing along with the Swing Along Gang, because the Swing Along Gang will swing. When the Swing Along Gang, something, swing along, something like that. And you were like, yo. And I finally, again, 15-year-old naive, want to get on me, finally said, nah. I can't do that one, bro. And he was like, cool, no problem. My contract had expired anyways after a year. Uh, and I finally felt like it made sense to just go, okay. Not for me. I ended up 
working with Hutchie after that. Yeah. And that's when I started getting a lot of performance experience because yeah. I'd be opening up. That's how I met you, yeah. opening up for Redman. That's right. But I want to finish that story by saying that he did invite me to what was <laughs> the album release party for some project whose name I, which, uh, name I forget, but I remember it was Volume 3. I said, the CD's Volume 3? He goes, yeah, there's no Volume 1 and 2, but Volume 3 makes it seem like you have a... So, so I, remember, I remember hearing that and going, man, did I get out at the right time? Because this guy just has the shadiest ways of doing it. If you go back for our listeners and for people who want to know where Anthony Barney comes up in the sunshine. Yes. He's from the sunshine era, and he's linked to the, a lot of the stories. Ron, Anthony, Ron Nelson. They're all connected. Yeah, yeah they're all connected from that era, dude. But Anthony, Anthony, man, he's a character, dude. You can make a movie. Well, you can make a movie the way you know, the way he looks, the way he mm-hmm. ties, like his whole. And I only wow. got that year of experience, but it's I bring crazy. up his name and I hear that stuff a lot. Oh yeah. Man. I got to tell you, at this party now, this very poorly attended party at a club I can't remember, I saw these dudes over in the corner by the bar, freestyling in their own cipher. You know, and he's used to just they're in their mm-hmm. own little cipher. And I'm wondering who, you know, I'm thinking, do I jump in a cypher? What's going on? I go over there and I swear, I shit you not, there's like three or four dudes going, come swing along to the swing along gang to the swing along gang. <laughs> and I picked up the CD oh, and sure enough, one of the tracks is swing along gang. See? And I said, yo, yo, this could have, w- imagine that was my you dear hip hop. You would have been done. You done already. You you <laughs> no CKLN at least, I'll tell you. <laughs> Sorry, man. That could have been it. X would have been one of those frisbee. Okay, you get to the frisbee? Yeah. Whew. Yeah, that would have been it. So then, wait, is yeah. Dear Hip Hop your first, like, official release? My first official release, yes. Okay. Uh, actually, earlier, I should have said this. You, you asked me what, what, you know, when I got in the studio. Um, when I started working with Hutchie now, so a year later, so call it 92, um, I did get some producers to make me some beats. So, like, shows like what I did out there, were, it was the first time. I started using original beats. Okay. Every show I'd ever done was some instrumental by whoever. I'd snatch whoever beat I could snatch and rhyme on it, um, including that Richie Rich track for this Electric Circus joint. Mm-hmm. So now I'm actually getting beats, and I remember I recorded this song called Nothing Gonna Hold Me Back, which was like straight hip-hop and had not even cuts, but a sampled vocal hook, um, which is somewhere on a cassette somewhere. Okay. That was the first thing ever that I believe got radio play because I believe X ran it on Power Move mm-hmm. at least once. Oh, yeah. Because right. I remember that. So I was 15, and Nothing Gonna Hold Me Back was this track that actually got like a one spin and was never released, but it existed. Oh, College Radio, man. It existed, yeah. God bless College oh, Radio. Oh, man. for sure. Right? Like, for Demo sure. Kings already forces it. Demo Kings. For sure. Because That's cassette I'm trying to remember. Rep from just, a, just a tape, man. Yeah. Using rotation, man. So. Just from Because tape, that's man. how I end up meeting Thrust. I know it had to have been. If it wasn't at that show. It was from the Red Man show, and then it was Hutchy, and then. For and sure, then I knew sometimes. I was like, X mess, uh, mess with MVP. Yeah. We'd be around you. And then remember, that's me, right. you know, I don't even know. Me, I was telling him earlier, me and Corey. Was always tight too. Corey used to live close to me when I was off of Maine. Okay, I didn't know. So I used to advise. Oh yeah, that area. I used to yeah. always advise them too. So we always this weird right. amount of time. We used to always give uh, advice. Like it was like a manager, but I wasn't manager. Yeah, really wanted yeah. to manage one point. Crazy. I said no, I don't want to manage you. I don't want to take your way. I'm mm-hmm. But bring by your music, play your stuff. So when Corey started That's getting dope. into production and stuff, yeah. I used to always yo 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 yo. So just you know, mm-hmm. just that hip hop community type. Well, that's kind of an amazing tie in as well. One that I didn't even realize because. When I really when when the crew was established, 
I too was working with X and Scam on beats. And, okay. And so, yeah, through that, con- you know, connect going to CKLN and all this stuff, um, X started making beats for me. He had already started making beats for MVP. And um, okay, and and eventually wild solo stuff because sunlight yeah, is sunlight next beat, too, and and I met Scam through him as well. Exactly. So those were the days too where I would go to the crib, we would listen to beats. You know, he'd run them on his SP twelve hundred. I'd go home with a tape, write rhymes, and then I'd come for an arrangement session. Exactly. So long before the studio, they don't do that as much now. But he would arrange on the SP. So drop out this word, this bar, this sentence. Da da da. Chorus goes here. All was programmed. And I had about eight songs ready to go. And then, unbeknownst to me, X was kind of getting cheese that we weren't getting into the studio. Mm-hmm. And I, really, I, I, I think I just started working a Kmart job. I had no money. Right. But I got a job. Mm-hmm. And was like, okay, you know, we're going to get in the studio, man. We're going to get in the studio. I'm just trying to stack these chips from this little piece of job that I have. Yeah, you know, I had done a few beats with Scam as well. And by the time I was able to afford any kind of studio time, and and but and just for the record, me and X are cool. Mm-hmm. But I think X kind of was like, I don't know. I think he was sort of past it. Mm-hmm. But Scam was like, let's go to the studio. So he took me to Woodbridge, to Frankenstein's Hill yeah, Laboratory. Laboratory. They used to see. And on the same day, in December of '95, shouts to Frankieano, we recorded Constipated and Dear Hip Hop, and those. Two tracks produced by Scam are the first two tracks on the Dear Hip Hop album that's coming out. And that was not my first recording, but offic- like in an official capacity for yeah. me, it felt like... Now, by the way, those I had already recorded, so the tie-in again is Corey was making beats for me as well. Right. So by the time I got in the studio, you know, Monolith had already formed and dudes were making beats. And I have no idea how much you guys, maybe you heard some already, but I go to Corey's house, same thing. He had, I think it was an ASR. Dude, I got all the, yeah, I got, yeah, I got the taste in my, in my garage. Yeah. The instrumentals. Yeah. It's the Corey's and ASR. Yeah, yeah that's man, right. I always like Corey's productions. So, so I always be like, yo, Corey, what you got, man? He's always one of my favorite producers. Yeah, so, like, so he, man, he started throwing beats man. my way. And um, yeah. so my first recordings would be with Corey. And then, of course, Scam took me into the studio and... Of those sessions, obviously, Dear Hip Hop got selected when it was time to actually put something out. And the album that's coming out now has all of those tracks from Word. then. I, said, I was about to say a segue. That's a good little, like, should you get people up to speed because, you know, past, present, future. Yeah. Your 20-year, like, you see, I saw on tweets, you get a chance to hear it. But I was listening to it. It's banging. It's like... Thanks, man. It's like from then to now. Mm-hmm. Right. 20 years and a lot of the joints we're talking about in the interview for artists yo you gotta get this CD man thank you man yeah the CD's dope man like even for me it was a treat man I was like yo because yo Dear Hip Hop came out on what Rap Essentials right One, right yeah right? That's, that's the crazy thing is and that's that, kind of what like launched it I guess right. that's totally what launched right. it like had I not like you know God bless them uh, Beat Factory shouts to Ivan Barry Ivan Jonathan Barry. Ramos Dwayne Watson literally without them I don't know how or when my first legit release would have ever existed. Mm-hmm. And clearly that album was monumental in the way that they really did select 12 dope tracks, 12 dope artists, and to their credit, they, they got my video in rotation. Uh, we went on tour. I mean, that was my first was- tour with Shocks and Wyo. Yeah. So it got single love, even though technically speaking, it was just a song on a compilation that was lucky enough to get a video uh, funded and 
you know, we right. did a video. I, I went on the road. And so obviously radio was giving it love. TV was giving it some love. I got interviewed by Master T. All these things I ever wanted was mm. starting to happen. Table, yeah. And of course, Dear Hip Hop was the way th that I got ushered in. And what everyone associates with me because that was it. That was the Beautiful, so at the time. Even if you read the Rap Essentials um, liner notes, yeah, because it has a little story about yeah. every joint, right? It says Daniel's going to be releasing his Dear Hip Hop EP in the mm -hmm. near future. Well, that didn't end up happening. So that's why twenty years later, the songs that were meant for it are part of this album, right? Yeah, you know, because yeah, yeah. it really never had any. How much of those songs? I know some of them was on the radio. How much of those songs on your CD was released then? Which ones? None None got an official release. I had like literally, it's kind of a... Because it was like college story. radio. I know these songs. No, I'm listening to it, right? You, sorry for listening. Like I said, yeah. you got to get the CD. Yeah, yeah. I'm listening. I go, I know these songs. And I heard, the, I'm sure Mass and I played this. I'm sure X played this. I'm sure, but I was like, yo, is this release? I, I can go, tell I you. Dude. The only way you could have heard them yeah. was either, unless... Corey or Scam or somebody threw them your way. I can tell you that nothing yeah, came out except for Dear Hip Hop. And the only time I personally leaked them mm -hmm. was four years later when my album, The you Book of Daniel, came out. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, now, here's the joke. Danish was one of the records. Danish, and, yeah. And with Nish Ross. Yeah. And because my EP didn't come out mm -hmm. and what we decided to do, because it, it was a real wake-up call for me to have been... Had a song licensed to Rap Essentials, get this video love, tour love, radio love, all this love, and then realize, you know, I'm not signed. I'm, I don't have anything behind me as an artist to push this next record. So Monolith, obviously we had already formed and we created our own label, One Rock Records. One Rock Records, And we yeah, made yeah. the long-awaited EP. The long-awaited EP, which was just a cassette, was three recordings that we did as a crew. A Grimace song, an Earth song, and a Daniel song, which happened to be the one I did with Nish, because we figured collabos between the crew makes sense. Because Nish on. produced that song. Right? No, Corey did. Oh, Corey did. Yeah. Okay. yeah, but it was my collabo with Nish, so I said, "Oh, fine, let's make it a monolith song." So even though it was made for this album, it didn't exist. So it became part of the monolith EP. Now Danish has kind of been taken back and is back on the Dear Hip Hop project. So you heard that. Yeah. I probably know some instrumentals, some of the beats. Probably. I don't think this came. I'm listening. I don't think uh, these the joints. The joints I leaked. Like, so here's the funny thing. So Holy Book of God. Daniel comes out. I'm slightly embarrassed about this now, but whatever. I actually Instagrammed about this in the promo for this album. Is when the Book of Daniel came out, I had moved on and started recording new material. And the Dear Hip Hop material was. It's funny, because now it's new again, but it was old to me. It was right. four years old. I'm like, nah, I'm new stuff. Yeah, I'm new, yeah. So I didn't release it. But I wasn't particularly happy with the fact that it didn't get a release. So I said, I'm just going to give it away. And I literally burnt some CDs. And inside the Book of Daniel liner notes is mail your receipt from this purchase and get the free Dear Hip Hop EP. So I personally mailed like 50 oh, burnt CDs. So they exist in poor quality form. That's cool, though. Yo, I actually Man. found the shit on online. Some sure. someone is selling it for like for a bill. Sure. Sure. Right, 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 right now. Especially right now, man. Well, oh, and man. that's the funny thing. So another four years passed. I put out my second album, and I'm like, that was cheese. I don't know why I did this burnt CD thing. Let me press CDs. Mm -hmm. So I pressed CDs, and on the CD, I threw on some monolith joints because it had only come out on cassette. Mm -hmm. So the second incarnation of Dear Hip Hop has Buy the Plenty, Plan A, Danish got back on there. I did a track called Jackin' for Beats with Nish, and that's on that. And so, again, never even mastered, 
You know what I'm saying? It's just right, like, right, right, I right. want it to exist on so you CD. It's like Slum Village so there's like three versions. Yeah, it's like, it's a perfect so example. Slum going to have all three versions. Yeah. It's like the yeah. Shaolin. You got to yeah. get all the versions, people. This, the but, but I'll tell you <laughs> this, crazy. though. Those are obviously out of print because yeah. this version, mm-hmm. okay, so version number three is the vinyl. So the Dear Hip Hop album dropped on yeah, vinyl in that's 2014 right. That's right, right. on Surgent Records, which is a French label. Mm-hmm. So they only distributed it in Europe and Japan. Mm-hmm. They shipped me about 30 copies. So the 30 copies that happened to be in this country or dispersed between whoever <laughs> supported them. But to this day, literally as we speak, fellas, Dear Hip Hop has never existed on any of the modern day platforms. Spotify, iTunes, it's not on huh, Interesting. So I said, fuck it. It's officially 20 years now. Well, 20 years now past. 96 to, you know, whatever. 2017, I said, okay, let's do this for real, for the audience that knows it well, the world knows it, but shit, the audience out here can never get their hands on it in this full, real capacity. So it's been officially mastered and remastered again. Like, this is the quality of music that it should have been, that it never was. So if you have those old CDs, you're not even, you're getting mixed downs, not masters. Yeah. Now, now, I mean, even the, yo, a lot of people don't know this, even the Beat Factory master, I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Because I felt like the bottom end was stripped from it. If you, anyone out there, if you have the Rap Essentials album, and you go and cop the new Dear Hip Hop 20 years later and play Dear Hip Hop. One has way more meat. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is bumping now. Even I told Scam, I go, they stripped the bottom end. So now the drums are feel like, you know, and they cleaned it up too. So this is the raw version. It's like, this is the authentic. When I put it in, man, it's warm because this is stuff from like that era, that time, that time. It was kind of unreleased. Y'all know Corey D's Earth. I gotta say, y'all know the the files. No doubt. like y'all real niggas know real recognize real and then you hear this man and then the combos like I said the one joint even the new one the new the new joint you did with freaking math you got math yeah, yeah. and Deuce on there all oh, the way Lance is the cousin there there shouts to the oh man DJ Grouch Grouch Grizzle the, the landscape on production sorry. landscape producer my boy sorry homie you oh, know God. I go it's really it's a treat. Thank you. It's well, a treat. I, hey, listen, man, I remember going to Scam's house one time and him really? playing the original on his SP. Yeah, right. He did. Yeah, dope. of course. Right? Oh, that's like, dope. We used to go to Phase's cottage. He would bring the SP twelve to Phase's cottage and be like, just have a random disc. Like, oh, yo, this is yo, this is dear hip hop. Oh, any, this is any MC boiling like, point. Scam you know? plays his beats, right. goes through his stuff. He always played. He'll play there. Yeah. That beat, that's really? like aroma in the air. You know, you're, <laughs> you're gonna hear. It. Yo, I'll tell you this real quick. Um, I almost gave up on that beat. Oh, you it, told me that story. That you know that story? So, yeah. yeah so, the, the video shoes. Right. So, I'm at, so I told you, you know, we did pre-production arrangement sessions back then. And even though X had kind of finally sort of said, I don't know, I think he gave up on me a little. And Scam said, don't worry, we'll do this. And we arranged Constipated, we arranged Dear Hip Hop. And for some reason, to, I can't explain now because it's like second nature to me to be on time, be on beat. I was rhyming to, so boom, boom, that piano note was the one for me. Mm-hmm. It's not on the downbeat. Yeah, so I was yeah, rhyming yeah. over this piano, and Scam's going, no, no, you're not hitting the one. You're not starting in the right place. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's telling me where to start, and I'm getting confused, and I'm like, I started, for, after a little while, I was like kind of getting pissed off, because I'm like, not at Scam, but at myself, like, mm-hmm. 
did I just shit the bed on this record? Like, I can't do this right. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck this, man. Because Boiling Point was the beat I wanted. Mm-hmm. That's my okay, shit. Right, right, right. And I'm like, I want, that beat. Exactly. That beat's I want that beat. And he's like, Concrete Mob has him. I'm like, oh, fuck. I love that beat. I love, shouts to, of course, oh. Deuce and, and, and Black Concrete Mob. Yeah. So, of course, eventually, I got it. And then it became second nature, like, I don't know what I was doing before. So I understood where to lay it down. But if it wasn't for Scam, if Scam said, all right, well, fuck it then. If he was pissed or something, like he just wasted his beat, or God knows what would have happened. And, God, and you know what? Because Scam isn't that guy. And God bless him for God that. God bless him. Because he totally. is that guy who's like, no, no, no. Like, he'll always yeah. find a way, man. Yeah. He's always got that positive very attitude. Positive. No, you know what I mean? That's what I love about his Scam. Track, for no, sure. Again, yeah. He's very patient. For sure. He has the patience. Like, yeah. He's patient. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, X no big deal, but he ran out of patience, if you understand. But Scam was yeah. like, yo, That's I right. have patience. I see what's within you. He's probably like, someone has sat down, had that patience to really work through it. Work yeah. Through. It's, like, it's, like, it's like a kid, you know, some kids are like two, three, four years old. They eat kind of slow, so apparently the kid don't eat. But as long as you sit down with that kid, they will eat, but right. it takes two hours to eat. Right. But they'll eat the same amount of food. Right. They might even be, eat better than the kid, two mm-hmm. other kids sit at the table. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, three years later, that kid's like, monster. You know, right. Like, oh, yeah, so he helped feed me, man. So, yeah. yo, the first album is, right, Book of Daniel, yeah. right? Yeah. All produced by Monolith cats, pretty true. much, right? Yeah. yeah. Which is always funny. myself. Right? Yeah. You, D's, who else? Black Cat, Black. Nish. N- uh, wait, yeah. How many of us? Is that five? Oh, yes. Charisma, of course. Okay. Me, Charisma, right, yeah. Corey, Black Cat, Nish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Corito Del Toro's is on that. That's Corey, yeah. Corey D's, man. Yeah. Which is like, let's get into that thing. Because I remember yeah. it's the first time, like, this is me. Seeing that video for the first time, being like, okay. yo, what the fuck is this guy on with this wrestling <laughs> shit, man? And if you didn't know, right? That's too funny, I know. Right? Like, yeah. if you didn't know. So, like, what was that? Like, you're a big wrestling head, too, right? Yeah, I used to be. I mean, I'm, I'm Me still... Me shots at the sky, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yo, man, yeah. see, even though the touch... It's you know, holy shit, wrestling. yeah. He blessed me with that shot. Oh, but it's the truth, I have. A, I gotta tell... Don't let me forget, I have a funny Northern Touch story. Uh-huh. But... To answer your question, um, I was just a kid who grew up loving wrestling. Like, my favorite toys were He-Men, not even wrestlers. Because if you remember Masters of the Universe... Those were some of the best they toys were dope. ever made. Yeah. Like, the production quality yeah. of that, man. They were really, like... Obviously, they were all on steroids, but their, they, their, their arms and legs could move. So to manipulate them into wrestling moves was easy. And I grew up watching Hulk Hogan and these guys on right, right, every right. Saturday afternoon. As we all did. We all did, right? So... You know, I, I was into it pretty heavy and um, decided that, you know, and so yes, of course, uh, going on, on tour with Shocks, I discovered he, he's still a big wrestling oh, he's forever. He still goes. He's real, dude. Like, he's he like, goes without Danny. Dude, you know, he like. goes himself. You don't <laughs> care. Yeah. Dude, I spent a lot of time Shocks. We would wrestle yeah. on tour. Like, he, we'd pile driving each other on beds and shit. Like, we used to, we used to go to so, Calgary. I used to go to, you ever go to Calgary with Shocks? Yeah, that was, yeah, part of the tour. He used to go crazy. You know where we are right now? So the yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. You know who lives out here? Like, yeah. Bret Hart, right? So we legit did go to yeah. watch wrestling a few times. Yeah. And so, obviously, he blessed me with the shout out in that big track my, my quick story is that when I saw the video I said yo there's a lot of cameos in this video I'm not in this fucking video and he says my name right yeah. and I was cheesed I was like shit it would have been a nice little just flash me so I talked and was like dude how you didn't call me for the video shoot oh it's Rascal's video I didn't know if you could reach and this yeah, and that, you about that video shoot. why look 
Years later now, yeah, wow. you remember Rascals did a video with Bret Hart. Yep. The sharpshooter. Yeah, sharp yeah, 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 yeah. So Wylook, who's also a wrestling head, and I went to school with him. Shouts Wylook. Yeah. Wylook calls me. He's like, yo, Rascals are in town, and they're shooting a video with Bret Hart. I said, what? He goes, guy, come. I was like, first, so I went to the video shoot, and I remember bringing the story up to the Rascals. Like, you could have come. What do you mean? Like, so, I so I always jokingly week. shit on Shocks for yeah, fucking up my cameo. <laughs> but no, it's all love. And um, when when it came time to shoot that video, so that video now, Corrida de Toros, which is bullfight in Spanish, yeah, yeah. and has my dad in the intro. Um, Word, okay. Yeah, that's my legit dad doing yeah. the intro. Who you met? met yeah, so he's at the beginning of that song. I decided, well, the whole concept of the song was fighting the industry and all the bullshit we got to deal with as rappers. And, you know, of course, in the late 90s, early 2000s, a lot of hip hop material was how commercial rap sucks and the real right, shit is right, over right, here. Right, right, right. So that was the concept of the video. And I thought, you know, what a better way to to make, create a metaphor out of the industry. who that, That's what the wrestlers are called in the video. The crew is called the yeah. industry versus Daniel. And I, and I legit trained with professional wrestlers and took bumps. So in the video, like I do a monkey flip, I take a power bomb, like all these things I trained for for weeks in advance, Shouts to Kwame, my mom, my homie uh, Kwamster Monster. Kwamster Monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, big wrestling fan big too. Kwamster Kwam, is the man. Kwamster. And he. That's the guy that's Soul on Ice. Soul on Ice. Documentary. Yeah. NHL. He's just doing it up. Big up Kwamster. Yeah, man. super huge respect to Love him. Kwame, man. You know, I mentioned earlier, right, that I got that job. To, that's what put me in the studio, working in the shoe department at Kmart. Kwame did security at Kmart. Okay, so that's how that's, right, that's right, how right, we right. met. So and Kwame was a wrestling head too. So da da da. He hooked me up with the dudes from Apocalypse Wrestling Federation. So those are the guys who appear in the video, um, and they trained me. Uh, shouts to Rod Boudreaux. Haven't seen you in years, brother, but he trained me. Uh, he's the first wrestler in the video. The second wrestler in the video is a guy named Sin, who would eventually get signed to WWE as Kizarni. Lasted very short time. Okay. And the third guy is Jason Sensation, who was also in the WWE for a short time because he was he was very well known for his uh, voice imitations. Mm. Um, and he does some like he did Owen Hart. He's in he was in a feud, not a feud, but he was in an angle where the Nation of Domination and Degeneration X were feuding, mm-hmm. and Owen Hart was part of. Nation of Domination and Jason Sensation as part of DX dresses as Owen Hart makes fun of Owen Hart yeah so, oh, wow. so there are some direct oh, WWE see? ties Look at that, and the guys who train me yeah. literally as I'm training for the Corita de Toros video they kept saying is Trish coming today is Trish coming today oh, Trish, Trish Stratus had just Stratus. been signed so I was literally days from missing meeting her. She, of course, went on to become a big superstar. The guys who trained her trained me. This is how I did that video. Yo, it's funny because, yo, we used to go to 108, Club 108 yeah. in Saga all yeah. the time. Yeah. And see her and fucking Edge would be there all the time Crazy. and shit yeah. like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. back in the day. Like, yeah. So, so wild, wow, man. Yeah, yeah. So, and of course, too, like, I was so amped that... Um, you know, the Rascals did a video with, with Bret Hart, but they didn't actually wrestle. I wanted to wrestle. I'm like, I want to actually wanna, do this. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, so it hurt. I won't even lie to you. Like, that powerbomb scene, like, we did, like, eight takes. And the wrestler, guy named... 
Flesh Gordon, he was called at the time, was just in training. Huge D's dude, but he was new. Yeah. So he was learning to powerbomb. Right. On he, you. he didn't know how to pad that. Crazy yeah. dangerous. But that's how we, yeah. It's going. <laughs> so that's how that came about. Man, D- DJ Law is going to love this segment oh, this of the yeah, podcast. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, yo. A lot of people, man. I just got to say, my favorite joint off Book of Daniel is Margarine. Thanks, and I want, man. I need to know, Brother I Corey wish yeah. I had yeah. your love. <laughs> what, what, is that a sample? You, oh, uh, you know what? You got to ask Corey, man. Okay, what? Because it is a sample. Okay, what? It is a right, sample. Right, right, and right, right, right. Similar we'll to, you know. have to call D's after this. Yeah, right? you know yeah. what? It's, it's amazing how much time has passed and I don't know that I ever discovered where that was from. I just know when I heard that beat, it's funny how a lot of my concepts come because it's going to sound silly, but it's true. I thought it was buttery. I just thought the way the, the little, the strings played over this mm-hmm. beat and is like, I thought, let me, I'm going to do some double time on this. And so I thought butter. And then I was cognizant of no butter is a song on the low end theory. Mm-hmm. It's right. Fife did that track. Yeah, yeah. So my first verse is prepare for a righteous flow. Yo, uh, recite the slow. So Something to the, I'm ruining my own verse, recite the slow so, and I said something to the effect, it's the sequel to Feist First Solo, right? Uh, so a lot of people don't know if they caught that, but yeah. I'm, because the song um, Butter, if I'm not mistaken, a lot of what Fife says, he's talking about, if your hair and eyes were real, I wouldn't have, you know, he's talking about women, yeah. right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. be real with it. Be real, so margarine right. is the yeah. same topic, it's like, yeah. you know, groupie hoes and all that, not yeah. that I had groupie hoes at the time, oh, yeah. but I'm like, yo, be a real be real yeah. and so margarine really was inspired by that beat but also the fact that Fife had done a topic similar to what I was going on in on the gold diggers really yeah, right, right. that's margarine and Sorry. and you know what a funny thing about margarine this is hilarious um I'm was I did I start yes I was in university at the time I'm I'm, I'm a I'm a English major Okay. So I pride myself on being Mr. Writing and proofreading. Oh, yeah, but my education didn't show because I misspelled Marjorie. To this, like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going on? Yeah. And and I remember when the album. Now, I'm meticulous, eh? Like, I, I. with a fine-tooth comb, go through all my liner notes, and I still care about that shit. Yeah. And when the book of Daniel dropped, yeah. I swear to God, it's like I hadn't seen a tub of margarine in a year or something. And I looked at a tub of margarine, I said, wait, margarine, Marge E, it's spelled with an E. Yeah. It's not. It's spelled with an A. Marge A. Uh, okay. And I was like, I fucking misspelled Marge. this shit. That's driving me crazy forever, dude. It just, <laughs> dude. <laughs> That's a, this is playing off like it's hip hop, but so no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so uh, I'm, I'm telling the truth now, but I think there was a time where I played it off. I was like, yeah, no, I just flipped this, you know, spelling because you know, yeah. So that's a misspelled title. Typo. Oh no. But it's kind of cool though because I since heard, uh, and you know, I'm somewhat of a hip hop historian too. That uh, there were a couple of. It's interesting because that same album that inspired it, the Low End Theory. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's Sky Pager or what, that record. Mm-hmm. Q-Tip mispronounces, uh, I think he meant, I read something where he meant gefilte fish, mm-hmm. and he said, Kapelka makes you vomit. He, he, was, oh, yeah. he mispronounces something. something. Yeah. Yeah. So and I thought. It sounded so good that he just leave it. It sounded so, yeah. Just leave it. So I said, ah, in pocket. sometimes mistakes. I used to always wonder about that line. That's so funny, Yeah, man. I read that Kapelka it was. Kapelka makes you vomit. Yeah, that's funny. It's, it's just a mispronunciation. I mean, like I just watched the interview with Greg Nice where he, 
Dizzy Gillespie played the sax. Right. Like, you know, you know he played the trumpet, right? And, yeah. then, and then it's funny. I think it was a Vlad interview, and he's yeah. like, no, you know he played the sax too, though, right? Oh, wow. And then people, I guess people, a lot of people didn't know. So, so for years, everybody used to clown this guy. It made sense after all. And it did make sense after all, right? Yeah. But it's a debate. Well, I'll tell you something. A whole, a whole other thing. You don't play the sax. Right? I'll tell you. That's an interesting story about validating what was thought to be a mistake. I felt validated. You guys might laugh at this. I'm also a Simpsons head. Shout to Big Kish because he's the biggest Simpsons right, right, I know. Right. And he's done voice work on the Simpsons. Oh, yeah. Shouts. He took yeah. me to the studio for that too. Oh, that's okay. a whole other story. That's Woo, crazy. Anyway, there is an episode of The Simpsons, one of the, the hundreds, where Homer is doing like he's in some alternative rock band. I think it has like this Seattle grunge thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. He does a song called Margarine yeah. for his wife Marge. Yeah. And it's spelled exactly as my margarine is spelled. So, you see? so the fact that this is about his woman and my songs about girls, I go, that's why. <laughs> Validation. I always hit on my time, see? There you always, go. Always. To see how Simpsons got it from me, that's is right. what I'm saying. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so then, so <laughs> then that Book of Daniels, the first it's album. Second album it's is funny. See No Evil, Hear No Evil. Yes, sir. All produced by Monolith, pretty much, except for Sirius. Actually, no. Two producers on that were not Monolith. So, you know, I love... Much respect, by the way. I love people who actually know the history and do the research. Well, I mean... Much respect. That's why we're here, Daniel. Come on, man. We're here, man. Yeah. Trying to teach these fucking kids Yeah, something, well, you know what I mean? Lessons learned, man. Right? Give me up the up, update. It's all about the update, man. Yeah. Everybody needs the update. Some people don't respect. need the update. Some people do need the update. Yeah. So DJ Sirius does two tracks. And my homeboy Morgan, um, who went by M. Smetan, that's his name, Morgan Smetana, was doing beats. And what's interesting about that dude is, and, and I'm going to be honest, I'm trying to even remember how I met him. I think it might have been through Decisive. Because um, okay. we, we, we did a few joints back then. They didn't really come out, but we rocked a few joints. If I'm not mistaken, that's how I met Morgan. And Morgan just had like a ton of like really dope beats. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't even really like, oh, I'm a hip-hop producer. He's a hockey player. I saw him at an audition once, and I'm like, oh, you act? He's like, no, nah, I'm here for a hockey audition, because he's a goalie. Mm -hmm. And he ended up being the stand-in for Justin Timberlake in the Love Guru, Mike Myers movie. Oh, word. Where they were playing for the Leafs, and he's playing for the Leafs? Yeah. Or yeah. the Kings, one of the two teams in uh -huh. the Stanley Cup. So he's a, so he's a legit hockey guy. Yeah. Oh, but he makes hip-hop beats. I'm like, but this shit is dope. So mm -hmm. he produced two beats. And the rest of it is landscape and charisma. Shout out to Lance, Big man. Shout Big shouts, man. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, and then, and then after that, Speak No Evil. Yeah. So, no evil, so, no evil, so the, the, the interesting thing about Speak No Evil is, so that's technically not an official album release. I guess by all intents and purposes, it's a mixtape, street CD that had never got an official release. It was just on the street. And at the time, I had uh, subtitled it The Last of Daniel. So that was my, I don't know if every rapper, like I talked to, we, we always do, right? We, 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 we connect, we talk, and talk old times. and It feels like every rapper that I'm aware of has gone through that period. Like legit, like, going, like being on a period, like you're just in that bad place, that place where you're like, yeah. fuck this, bro. I actually credit the year 2004 as the year where I was mm -hmm. like, I think hip hop's getting shitty now. Yeah. And and I was not pleased with the way in which, you know, I you know, I did shows. I was fine. Like, you know, See No Evil got some. It got radio love on Flo. I will mm -hmm. give Flo that because when Flo was popping, like they played joints from that album. And I did a bunch of shows and stuff. But 
you know, I was an adult now. I wasn't the kid I was doing those songs back, you know, I was like, now I'm, you know, the money was playing its role officially in, a, in, in hurting my love for what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't really done, but part of me said I, I need to do something different. Mm -hmm. So I called it Speak No Evil, The Last of Daniel. Speak No Evil basically had a bunch of remix joints from See No Evil, Hear No Evil, and unreleased stuff that never made the album. And, you know, I was happy with it as a project, but it wasn't really meant to be an official album. It was just like, here's some joints you haven't heard and remixes and take it because I'm finished. In my head, that's what I was telling myself. Right, 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 right. That's when I started teaching hip hop workshops. Mm -hmm. I started the O Show, which is my pro wrestling podcast. I um, took my acting more seriously and mm -hmm. started doing it. So I still was working in entertainment, but as a rapper, I was just going through a I'm pissed off now period. And uh, yeah. It's like, uh, what's the movie, man, when they pull back the curtain, man? Oh, not Cinderella. Uh, the Wizard of Oz. Okay. The Wizard of Oz moment. Like, everything was shiny, great, yeah. da, da, da. Yeah. Then you get to a point sometimes and you're like, you pull back the thing. Hey, man, who's yeah. the wizard guy? You know what I'm saying? You see what it is. Yeah, right? it was It was Never getting to it. It was moment. tough. And then you got to realign yourself. Okay, it. so then at what point do you decide to do Perfect Strangers with? So, yeah, Pops, so right? so the to, to answer that, I'd say I, I, I did about three or four years of, like, I don't know what you call it, soul searching, finding other avenues and stuff, never leaving entertainment, but just doing other shit. And um, right before, so before Perfect Strangers happened, I just, I credit, God bless him, Jay Dilla, mm -hmm. for really bringing Danny O back because I just love his music. Mm -hmm. And I started yeah, listening true. to his That's instrumentals true. and I started writing rhymes again. Like I never stopped writing rhymes, but I wasn't focused on a project. Mm -hmm. When I write rhymes, I, I'm always generally focused on the overall project. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't done that in years, and I said, I wrote a, I wrote a rhyme, then another one, then a song, and then it started turning into, I'm gonna write actual more, just taking Jay Dilla beats, mm -hmm. and writing rhymes, and falling in love again. Were they all Donuts rhyme. beats, yeah. or no? No, I, oh, they were all over. A uh, bunch of shit from Donuts, from Jay Stay Paid, from Jay Love Japan. Oh, okay, it worked. Some obscure stuff that was sent to me by Bredgens, like this is on a mixtape called, uh, some such and such, he had volumes of stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 of course. So, Dilla Pickles, the mixtape that I ended right. up doing, takes from about six or seven, maybe? Mm-hmm. Including Slum Village, like different Dilla projects. But all Dilla beats. All Dilla beats. Um, except for one, which was done by Nick Speed, but it was the same drums as Players, but it turned into <laughs> but it turned into Haters, which was an El Zai mixtape song. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So Haters and Players were sort of a branch off of each other. And I mentioned that. I go, this is still a Dilla thing. And just because I fell so in love with writing rhymes again, mm -hmm. thanks to beats that Dilla had made, and I just free mixtape, downloaded. God bless Jay Dilla. That was the whole thing. It wasn't even like a project for me, really. It was just, I just loved rhyming again. Yeah, it was fun. And sure. I invited Promise on the record because, interestingly enough, he had, he had invited me on one of his records, and I did something I never do, and that is completely forget. Didn't call the man back. Like, I don't do that. Mm -hmm. And I felt really bad when I, I got him on the track. Yeah. He did it. And then I was going through beats, and I'm like, oh, shit, he sent me. I called him up, like, yo, did you still want to do that track you sent me? He was like, I've been waiting for you all this time. I'm like, guy, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. 
I forgot. I don't know. Yo, I, I, you know what? I, I apologize. He goes, yeah, don't worry. You know, I've been through that before. And which is true. We've all been through that shit. Of course. Like, of course. And I'm like, nah, bro. Like, I'm not that way. Trust me. He's like, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. So I felt like I had to prove something. I was like, dude, trust me when I tell you. I'm not, he wasn't being like, he wasn't vexed, but I felt bad. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, guy, I didn't mean to like disrespect. Like, I'll do a whole album. He's like, yeah, I've heard that too. Promise has legit done projects with all kinds of people that yeah, have yeah. never seen the light of day because he works so much. But he goes, it always gets to a point where it sort of fizzles and the business part business, of the whole yeah, thing falls. Yeah. So I said, dog, I'm come to your studio. I did. We weren't even perfect strangers. We just started writing tracks. One track led to a second and a third, and I was really compensating for this track that I never did for him. We never did that. Was track. he on Ducktown at this Duck time? Duckdown, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He had he had a solo deal with Duckdown, and we just started recording songs. And it's like maybe we should actually do this and stuff. He goes, "Yeah, but we should be a group. We shouldn't just be like Daniel and Promise." We ran through a bunch of names. Perfect Strangers ended up being. Um, what we came up with a few things, but he liked the show. I liked the show. Then we li- Bartokamus. So we likened ourselves to these two guys. And what, why it really fits us is that you know, uh, Promise is like a Christian who's into soul and gospel. Yes, I'm like this hardcore MC, da 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 da, battle rap guy. And we hadn't really crossed paths until this time. So we were like, as they would say, you know, strange bedfellows. Like, what are these two guys mm-hmm. doing together? And we thought people might think that. Right. And some people did. Mm. But our chemistry, for reasons I still can't explain, worked so well Mm. in the studio and on stage. I I learned an interesting lesson in writing rhymes with no cussing in it. That's right, because he does the Christian thing. And and what's hilarious is we got a record called Ghetto. It ended up being our first video. And there's a line in it where I reference this Cat Williams stand-up part where I go, um, I'm 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 a real tiger in a fake ass habitat. Right, and he goes, "Well, you can't do ass in the song." Yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, but fake ass isn't really swearing." Then we had this conversation about that word still can't run, so I had to take it in. in um, I, I changed the line to, "I'm a real tiger that's in the fake habitat," and in the same verse, I say, "Promise told me not to cuss on this record." That v- line had already been written before he told me not to cuss on the record. Right, right, right. right. So he's like. How did you foresee this? I'm like, I don't know. But if you listen to the verse, like, Promise told me not to cuss on this record, but trust when I'm done the session, I'll be frustrated, Regin, or whatever. Because we're just talking about people who are... Look at that, too. And so... That's great. Yeah, that album came about on some... I'll I'll do the track I said I was going to do. We never ended up doing it. We did this whole other record. And... We continue to be a group, although we haven't recorded since. But we we yeah. plan on it. Yes, uh, we're still we're, we're. Is he so? Wait, is he still down with Duck Down? Or no? no, interestingly enough, that Duck Down deal sort of dissipated. Which is wait, wait yeah. for me, which like sidebar, yeah, is a funny thing when you think about Duck Down, and then totally. you think about Promise being this Christian rapper. Yeah. it almost just doesn't. I think that's what happened. And, and I think the thing with Promise, too, it's interesting. Promise is in an interesting category of he doesn't make Christian rap. When you listen to the music, it's not gospel. Yeah, it's not preachy like it's that. It's not right? preachy. Yeah, yeah, to exactly. his credit, Pro- yeah, yeah. Promise is not Mr. Preachy. Or, I remember or, when him and Amir were working together yeah. and all that. And like he, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think what ha- it was, because what was interesting is what happened after Duck Down, and we did the Perfect Strangers pro- project, he actually was like, yo, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do any more work for a while because I just got, I'm going to sign with this Christian label in like Philly. And I'm like, 
That's your thing. Because you guys put the record out on Urbnet, right? On Urbnet, yeah. Okay. And, and you know what? We did it free. It was a, it's available free online. Right. We just decided, you know, finally, like, let's introduce ourselves to the world. There was a gang of samples, which I don't even watch these days anyways, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Have the project. And it worked out because we still press CDs, sold a gang of them at shows, mm-hmm. did a ton of shows, did six right. videos off the project. Like, it went That's really right. well. Mm-hmm. Way better than I thought. And he, to this day, will say, of all the artists I've worked with, I had never expected, like, we, you went in. Like, so I, I not only overcompensated, but, like, you know, went over and above because it's like we're an actual group. I don't just see you as some dude I did rhymes with. Mm-hmm. And so I'm proud of that. But, you know, back to that story, he... Um, Things didn't end up working out with that label, but I think that's the thing is Promises in this interesting middle place where he's hip hop and he's soul and he makes great music, but he's not a preachy, gospely Christian rapper, but he's certainly not, you know, an underground thug. Not, right. not, not exactly. duck down, not, they're not thugs, but you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So, where his place is is an interesting one. I don't even know if I have the answer per se space, because right? he, he, he is. And he's done Christian tours and all that kind of stuff. But why I rock with him is because we can do records. It's not, they're not gospel records. They're just, they're clean, but they're just dope hip hop songs. Right. And so we have this very interesting medium where I have to, I curb a little bit what I do. He does the same. And we meet in the middle so that no song is a Daniel record. And it's not a promise record either. We do come together from two different worlds. You know, I would trust me. I talk hip hop with him, and he, I'd never listen to that. He doesn't know. Yeah. But we did a record called "Come Back Home," where he's shouting Africa Bambada and all mm-hmm. the things. So it's not like he has no clue. Yeah. It's just that we grew by becoming a group, mm-hmm. and so because he was on Dilla Pickles, that whole incident took place, and the album happened. That's crazy. Yeah, man. Yeah, group is fun. That's that's one nice thing to revive everything because you get two like-minded people. You're know, well, trying to find, yeah, man. Trying to find some, and then once you have the chemistry, the, the, the chemistry works. Chemistry and this is the boom. thing, and, and you, you haven't asked, but it really is a big part of this story. Is that Monolith is the crew, Monolith is the family, but probably needless to say at this point, it was so incredibly difficult for us all, all the chefs in the kitchen. Oh, sure, man. Right? You know? I can only imagine. So you know, to have done an uh, an album, and I've told them this, like to have done an album with Promise. Who's someone I, I've known, I mean, technically, what, a decade now? Not mm-hmm. by childhood like you guys. Yeah, exactly. But we just couldn't, you know, and, and there's a song on the album called Gonna Make It. Yeah. On the Perfect Strangers album where I discussed this. And I, yeah. I, I, I'm speaking to Monolith it's and I'm like, quick, yeah. I, I, I love you guys, but with or without you, I gotta make it. Yeah. I have to, like, yeah. I can't do the, things your way. Didn't work. To this day, bro, I'm still getting when's the monolith this, when's I'm like... Dude, trust that's too, me. That's, that's too well, much. That's too much, man's bro. That's like too it much, is. man's in the like it just is. as a producer. It is. Like yeah. as a producer trying to get twelve songs from twelve different artists yeah. is its own challenge. Look how hard yeah. it is like, for Rizzo to get the Wu Tang together. Like, right. Exactly. I, I watched right? an interview a few days ago on Power uh, One Five in LA and everything. And mm-hmm. He's talking about it. Then I see Raekwon's one. Talk about like. It's just hard. You have so many different entities. You have to really It's a lot have, of different egos, man. A lot of different egos. A lot of different personalities. I think the way they did it, though, yeah. and the key, just a little note, I've seen you got to have one person correct. in charge of just 100% music. correct. Like, landscape, like landscape in my view, for Monolith, y'all listen, y'all know me. I got nothing personally versus this. Yeah. To me, just let landscape handle landscape. Let me Call, tell you. Draw certain man to Because when you have yeah. two, three, four, five, the more chefs in the kitchen, like you said... And then the you already got so many MCs, 
It's like, can the project The end? only project that end? worked was his project. I, and I told him this. I said, yeah. I wish this is how we did it. Because Landscape did a project called Return to the Classic. That's right, where he chopped up all the old Right, and he took full... Yo, I, to his day, and I keep telling him, I'm like, dude, that was the formula. He said this to every single monolith member. Here's your beat. Here's the bar count. Here's the deadline. That's the one. Perfect. And everyone did it. That's a the guy gave me a bar count and a deadline, and I did it. And I'm like, dude, you got everybody from Monolith on this one record. They're, everyone's on their own. Mm -hmm. That was a brilliant strategy. And I said, and we tried, by the way. Don't, don't think we stopped in the 90s. We've, right. we've been oh, trying. Well, wait, there was that mixtape. There was the mixtape you guys put out in like the yes. 2000s sometime. Correct. Right? It's called Welcome to Scarborough. That's right. But all credit due to Grimace Love, who compiled all of these different joints. So technically, that wasn't Monolith working together as Monolith. That was a whole bunch of Listen, if we did a Monolith anthology, you got joints for days. Oh, for sure. But that's because each individual man's doing different joints. And we got and like just going us in, focus. going in. Yo, y'all need to do this. Yo, I'm telling y'all, man. Love me or hate me after this. Y'all need to do this because time will wait on everybody. That would be a regret. For well, all listen. of you guys, such good <laughs> friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yo. I don't want to. I'm just the outside coming in. The world, it would be such a powerful project. Let man. me tell you something, dog. That's why everyone keeps asking. That's what, when y'all did the show at boot camp, everyone talks yeah, about it. Yeah, trust me. When you guys man. got back together at boot camp, hope y'all know what that show. I went to. I even. I don't go to a lot of shows. People know me. I've been to a lot of shows a long time. I came to that show because, oh, Marlon's performing? I seen him in a long time. When I went oh, to the venue man. there, I was there in the crowd. I was with DRK. Yep. I was with um, no, Phoenix. Man. Yeah, uh, a few other men. I was the real cheese. Yo, uh, y'all brought up, y'all brought oh, up so many people. You know the audience. You know, like eighty percent of the audience in that room. Y'all listening to this was there to see, was there to see y'all. You know, they were the people hype. They were seeing the models at the time. People were like, "Yo, I'm here to see." My, I heard it was like an echo. Mono, mono. And was so happy. So that energy, man. Listen, I see. The same thing happened with circle. <laughs> circle, same thing. Yeah, Brian, same thing. But it's like, oh man, man listen, you, man. as a fan, it's a dream. It's my dream. It's a dream. So it's my dream, dream for us. and I'm gonna keep dreaming. It, listen, it's mine too. Look, real, real talk. I don't think I've I've, I've gone this far uh, in an interview before. Real talk, bro. If it were up to me, if I could wave that proverbial magic wand, trust me, guy, we would have out albumed Wu Tang. If I'm not saying that I have all the answers. I did try at one mm -hmm. point. I was sort of the president of the label. I was handling. I did the video grant applications. I got book shows. I didn't do it all myself, but I did a lot of stuff. Right. And had I, what you said was 100% true. If there was one dude going, like a manager, like a, like a, not even in the group even. Because I think a lot of what happened is like we're all members of the group, so no one's above anybody else. You so can't tell rank. me what to do. You have to have rank. So, yeah. so the rank thing yeah. didn't work. And, you know, like I said, if it were up to me, trust me, I'm a fan. Because while this is clearly a very biased thing to say, my favorite rappers are from Monolith. I think, like, I, list, I could list them all and go, these are dopest MCs, in my opinion. And while there's obvious bias, it's just we, like, pff, man. We have shit to prove it that has never come out and will never come out. Like, lyrically, you've heard Urs, you've heard Mans on their own. You've heard Nish, Grim. Mans can run wild, and everyone's got their own style, too. So we were very proud. Like, you know, we don't sound really the same. Everyone's doing their thing. But uh, back to the point. With all those chefs in the kitchen, it was really, really hard to get everybody on the same page. And it wasn't even just a music thing. Like, I'm even talking about 
how to put the shit out. I need um, a Professor X, man. It's an X, man. You got to focus. Psychos coming in the beam everywhere. This man over here. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. It, I'm going to reveal. It's, it's, I'm going it to give you a revelation. I'm going to reveal some shit. This time. I'm going to reveal some shit. Herbnet. And, and a super shout to Daryl Rahway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Daryl and, and yo. Stuff out here. Let's go. Yeah, Let's Herbnet. Go. <laughs> they've, they've been down from, from jump. All when I did the book of Daniel. That was released by Page Music. And Daryl Rahway was working with, that's with, right. with them at the time. Daryl. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Daryl. Shout out to Daryl. And um, so what, would ha- what, what happened was there was a time when Daryl had hit me up or we were talking about doing a monolith album and he was willing to this goes to show you how long ago it was this is this is some back in the day shit because he was willing to advance us we were going to get an advance i don't know if anyone gets it i don't know who gets advances now but we he was going to give us an advance to do this album and here was the idea we did the long-awaited EP. It was going to be the long-awaited LP. Mm-hmm. So we it had never had a release on CD even. Mm-hmm. So we, what were we going to do? We were going to we were going to add six more joints, you know, and do this album. We started having conversations amongst the crew about. First of all, like obviously what those new songs were going to be. Then it was like forget the old songs. Let's not do the old songs. Then it was how we're going to split up this advance. And I'll leave the number alone, but the advance between ten guys is like yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's, that's, but but what? dudes weren't dudes were like, well, to be fair, we did this much work and he did that much work. I'm like, okay, true. Some dudes did more work for the project, so maybe the percentages need to be different. I'm like, I'll tell you this much. My percentage ain't gonna be lower than anybody else. So now we start having business conversations. Oh, sure. Forget That's, talking about rhymes. Here we go. Yeah. And it just got to the point where eventually niggas are like, yo, fuck this idea. Let's just start a brand new album. This let's start a brand new album thing has happened several times throughout the courses of the year. And we've always we started tell, we tell, it we tell, and not finished we put it. Put on a school of what you do. And of we, course it never We happened. had the same problem with Northern Touch. Northern Touch, you can imagine. You're sharing is caring. Yeah. All those artists. Song, hook, chorus. Not everybody wrote what you think they wrote. Right. I might have went to some of my interview, whatever, but you know what we just ended up doing? Models just do the same thing. We just said, yo, man, just split it down the line. The energy is the energy, yeah, man. Yeah, I agree. Especially when you have a group. That's why we tell all those problems. Everybody has to do. When you have that more than, like, five people... Oh, I think, I think once you have more than two people, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, start, the money starts getting minimum, weird, right? No, but more five is when you have to split out of 105. And yeah, then the producer got to share. Now. I'm talking about yeah. the split of the pie, the royalties, the writer's share, and all that stuff, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You start problems. That's when you have to, once you realize that you're in something like the entity, equal split. When you go solo, that's your money. Right. You're going to gain so much off of the collaborative effort for yeah. your solo and vice versa. It's a win. But yeah, you're right. has got to wake up and just... See, and I understand where it we, comes we in. were just we were in it, weaving in it, but it's just yeah. an industry thing, right? And that's where the money come down and splits. Some guy might have write the hooks for all the songs, doing no one right. wanted to. Right. Sure, one man might have made all the songs. One man, one man, and I'm with you. So out of the writer's share, that man get half of the writer's share if he just want to be right. I wrote the hook, right. so y'all split the rest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's easy to sit back and say that, right? People don't understand how writing works, right? The pie is the pie. That 100% is that one. You can't make it bigger or smaller. So, yeah, I'm in complete agreement, and I would have absolutely been down for equality because even though I was doing a lot of legwork and paperwork and behind-the-scenes shit and managerial stuff, I wasn't trying to get, like, that cut. I just wanted I just wanted it to happen, you know. Yeah. And I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. My, my perspective was like, let's do this album because the, the fans would want it. Like they, you know, 
and we can still do the next album. Like, good. This is a great jump off to record brand new material. And it's just like, uh, you know, it, my, my, the biggest, I guess I'll go so far as calling it a tragedy is the fact that, you know, Monolith is like the greatest group that never was because the amount of material we, we have and could have produced together as a group um, that just couldn't and didn't see the light of day because of too much infighting and disagreements. Well, maybe, just you know, maybe y'all talking tragedy. and that stuff you guys have. I mean, maybe this, maybe this episode will bring it to life. Bring it to life. Well, let me Same call Corey D's right now. Everybody right now yeah, from the I, views I from the six interview, man. Maybe everybody get the wake up call. I'll, I'll, okay, hey, we'll leave it on that positive wait. note because <laughs> I tried and, and was unsuccessful hey. with this project in trying to get the group together. So maybe it'll inspire them. We'll see. I think I think it's inspire Okay, so I'll tell you this. I'd be down. I would be down but listen we're talking about 20 plus years of it not working man so it's hey. a tough sell if it, i'll tell you this you might laugh if you and i'm maybe not you specifically thrust but legit you like a man like you mm-hmm. could could be at the helm could be that guy like what you just finished saying because uh-huh. legit like mans would respect you a man's will come out like if we had a producer if we had someone going like look let's just He's, Listen, he's the hefe, man. Y'all just call me. I'm there. I can you know, together. Because that we might. Together, dude. I, I'm so there. You need a person to come in? Call me. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we should do it. Corey, no. Same it's thing. funny Let's because, go. like, Lance Let's is go, that man. guy to me. Like, he strikes me as Lance. Lance is that guy you who's, know, like, very, he doesn't bite his tongue very much. No, you know no. what I mean? Like, but that, too, is a problem. Because, huh? because Lance is very opinionated. And... While I agree with you, because as I've told Lance, I thought the way you did Return of the Classics was brilliant. You're also one of the producers. So, and, and this did happen, just for the record. Mm-hmm. Lance did attempt to take the helm. He would book the studio sessions. He would engineer them even. Like, we did do some recording. Right. But, you know, again, there are personalities in this group that don't... You need somebody from the outside, but it still knows everybody. Always works. Because then, it, then <laughs> you know? it's not so... You're also intricate, so like when you hang with someone, you need somebody that's around but not yeah. like quite emotionally tied. You get what I'm saying? We all are have very emotionally emotion tied. tied. It's for us. Absolutely. And here's the thing, and this is the, the legit truth. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sure I speak for most, probably all, maybe the members of the group when I say this, is we ended up choosing friendship over the group because I can, I can personally say as far as I'm concerned, I have a positive relationship with everybody in Monolith. They're all my brothers. I love them all to death. I, I'll, I would ho- holler at all of them. I am godfather to certain children. You know, I have emceed weddings. Other mans are godfathers and all this best man at weddings. Like, that's what Monolith really is. Oh, yeah, and I tell people all the time, it's real fam. Like, yeah, niggas are, are groomsmen. Like, we are there, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, we flew to Vegas yeah. when Corey got married. Yeah. Like, we were there. And that, to me means more than anything because there were trust me when i tell you brothers plenty of opportunities for us to just fuck off and and hate each other and you know and unfortunately you know not everybody in the crew has the same strength relationship that i feel that i have with everybody there's stuff that's none of not even my business to talk about that would probably not work Mm -hmm. present day there are members of the group who have said I don't do this anymore, so they're technically exactly. retired from exactly. rhyming. Yeah. And for me, 
if there's going to be a monolith project, it should be monolith who does it. Mm-hmm. Because if maybe half of us do it, I wouldn't call the project that's monolith. Energy. Yeah. That's, that's how I, I feel. Agree with that. So to me, I'm actually proud to say that monolith exists in the real form, which is, yes, we're still family. And like families, there's some, you know, brothers have squabbles and stuff like that, but it exists. And, you know, I can tell you even in recent weeks where like, you know, McGregor Mayweather fight. Most of us were together for that. Mm-hmm. It was Grimace's birthday too. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know that's that's the monolith is still there. So it's funny. Them. Even when we did that show that you're talking about boot camp clip, they they um, promoted it as the monolith reunion, and we always took a little bit of offense to it because like what we never broke up. Musically as a group, it's right, fair right, for right. everyone to go. You guys need to reunite. We didn't look at it as music. We're like we're still monolith. Exactly. You know and. I'm actually planning a record. Like, my next record is already in the works. And being a dad now, I think I talked to you about this off of the, uh, before the podcast, was that's where my focus is now. So a lot of my material comes from there. And I intend on doing a record with members of Monolith to discuss the fact that our whole next generation of kids now, I mean, we have some pictures from barbecues of, like, all Monolith kids, and it's like, some someone po- I think I posted it on Instagram and someone wrote mini lith and I'm like oh that's kind of a cool you know like that's shit it, it, it really isn't it. even about us yeah now I'm not saying our kids are going to be saying, rapper producers no, I'm saying it's, that it's you know family concept. We, the, we're family that is family the, the, that is concept, the definition of monolith present day mm-hmm. and while my heart breaks that we couldn't have worked it out musically I am happy to tell you guys that because that's the truth. Word. Yeah. You know. We have the real victory. Friendship is the best, man. Even me. Exactly. Even me and Ted. Yo, KGB, me and Ted is tired. I talked to Ted two weeks ago. His birthday just passed on the 20th of September. Blah, blah, blah. We have a friendship. We did from 92. And that's my greatest thing. Yo, Ted. Oh, man. When we wrote for this music. Yeah, that's You see what I'm saying? Because the music, you see it in movies, you see it in films over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. It splits up the real friendships and the bonds sometimes. It does. So what's more important? Yeah, it's crazy. They just like, they you know just I mean? they missed loyalty. I, I missed it, but they just recently aired that um new Who Shot Biggie and Tupac doc mm-hmm. with uh Soledad O'Brien and Ice T. Yeah. And of course, you know, we all know that, you know, Pac and Biggie were cool at one point and no we don't we don't need to rehash the story because we all know it. Both of those mans are gone and they were technically kids at the time. Like, mm-hmm. I can't believe they were like early twenties, mid twenties in retrospect because mm-hmm. of how giant they became as hip-hop icons but the fact that and they say this in the documentary it's like imagine what would have could have happened if Pac and Big lived like oh, what would have been what would have hip-hop been what right. you know so you know that's just one of the major examples of it's 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 more than this music thing it, it, it shouldn't get to those points especially in Toronto like with all due respect man like yo we we have you know, we have spots of this city that are, some are nicer than others, but listen, we're not from a run-down, torn-down, ghetto-ass city, and I'm not about that life, man, and, mm-hmm. I, and I do not represent Toronto that way. I don't mm-hmm. believe in Toronto that way. Um, it's not, you know, bad shit happens here, but our crime rate ain't like the state, so that mentality, that idea, and that way of repping Toronto, I know this is sort of a tangent, but that idea that beef can't be overcome, 
And of course, not every beef is the same. Exactly. But I'm just not of that mind, man. I'd much rather go towards that positive route and try to make things peace. Well, it's funny because we kind of talked about that. Remember what we were saying about, like, you know, the screw face capital and yeah. shit? Like, mm-hmm. you, when you talk about back in the day, like, it seems like there's, there was this united front. Mm-hmm. And I'm always curious as to where the, the split, is. like, where the split happened. Where kind of got shit, you know commercial. You understand? Like, mm-hmm. when hip hop was just hip hop in Toronto, 80s, early. 90s, that whole live at the barbecue was right after that time. When it got so big and everyone came, everyone else was home. That's at the point, and everyone started. There's like those hip hop people who went to the club, and then those who went to Club Mecca. You don't see that split? Yeah. That's when we lost it, man. Cause before then, dude, it was us against the whole city. It was us even against like even all, even R and B niggas right. wasn't fucking with hip hop niggas, right. dude, right. for about eight to ten years. So if you was a hip hop, like oh, everyone get together. Oh, Missy's. It was, everyone had to, you know what I mean? So it squashed all the area stuff. Once you found something, oh, you a hip hop dude? Like, oh, yo, hip- oh, oh, you a dancer? Oh, you do graph? Oh, you. Yeah, maybe. yeah. Right away, dude, it's like right away, magnetized. Boom, oh, you're a radio station? Oh, you another one? You could do that too, man? Right. What's funny is, yo, there's, right. there's a website called djbooth.net, okay? okay? And I was reading an article that they put up, I don't know if it was a month or two ago, and they were saying they tried to do an article on the up-and-coming Toronto rappers. And what it was is that they were trying to get, like, okay, yo, so they interview Thrust. They want Thrust to big up another artist that they're feeling within the scene. Okay. And then they come to you, and they want you to okay. big up. And, and then they come to me. They said that they couldn't put the article together because they couldn't fucking get mans to big up a next man. That's how fucking, like, that's kind of how it is now. You get what I'm saying? Really? It's like that, because that crabs lost, in a bucket mentality. Lost, you know what I'm saying? The thing about hip-hop that people don't understand, I try and teach and I try and express just through the way I walk and the way I am as a being, and anyone knows me, as a person, whether on stage in the streets, is the unity. Mm-hmm. Hip hop at its raw core is raw core. Man. You're right. Peace, love, unity, and having fun. It's about unif. That's what we're talking about under the hip hop. It's mm-hmm. unification. It's bringing together those in the struggle, those who can't get into the jam, those who ain't getting looked at. Right. It's bringing that real energy at its essence mm-hmm. beyond music, beyond just as a person. That's what yeah. it is. But we lost it. That's why at the start it was uni- It was that. Energy, right? I, I definitely. When we went beyond that, and we people to the point now, when you look at it now, where people just diss and nods, they don't even care about culture. So, it's so crazy. now I'm looking at now. That's that's not even hip hop to me. So I go, that's cool what you're doing with that sound. I'm not knocking it. Generation, whatever that mm-hmm. that sound. I don't even call it mumble rap because it's got its own trap. If you want to call it trap, but some people make trap. It's legit. But that sound, everyone knows we're talking about. If there's no culture to it, then it's not hip hop. There's no unity to it. There's no past. I was funny, I was looking at Nas's, uh, mm-hmm. a little thing on past artists and stuff, legends, I like looking at legends stuff, and Nas was funny, you look at it, what do people say, he always used to wonder, yo man, Nas was always, when he came out, he was 18, he was like, yo, I'm in the game, I'm just giving respect to the old school mm-hmm. and the new mm-hmm. cats that's running yeah, it, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was Nas's mentality at 18, now the right. 18 year old's like, screw the old school, so, right, yeah. so you lost the culture, Yeah, I agree. Well, you lost the unification. It was, and maybe we have our part. We're not building the bridge properly, but I'm just saying it's been lost. So both sides mm-hmm. have their part in it. So I think that's a lot of what we're seeing right well, now. Well, it's funny, man, because yo, I saw another thing that um, a dude from London came here, did a, a documentary, a small little documentary. I think it's like maybe 15, 20 minutes about the new Toronto scene. And the thing is, and I got into a big argument with people on, on Twitter about it because 
they're like, oh, I'm like, well, yo, if you're going to talk about the new Toronto scene, you got to include a guy like a T. Grams or a Daniel Son or all these other guys like, you know, Shaq is dope. Because all the guys that he he talked about was like Prime and like the Mewson from Halal Gang, which, yo, that's cool. Them kids are making their own way. But I'm saying... That's not indicative. That is not the Toronto scene. There's, Toronto there's a whole. You you're negating like, a whole part of the fucking whole, scene. Right, you know yeah, what right, I'm saying? Right. Like, well, when we always have our, our our natural hardcore element. That's what Toronto's backbone is. That's what our sound is. That's what got us through the door. You know what I mean? For sure, man. So I, that's the element that everybody want to try and jump over when they come here. I, that's what I find. They jump right. over because Drake got so huge. Drake's, Drake's Michael Jackson, dude. I tell people, he's a modern day Michael Jackson. Look at the sales, look at everything. I say he is, dude. He's the reincarnation of Michael Jackson, dude. I told you a long time ago when I see it, I said, yo, man, that's what that dude is, man. If you look at it, right? You're going to see it 10 years down the line. You'll be like, yeah, that man told us it. <laughs> what you're saying there, right? So we got so big, so everybody came to Toronto with this big commercial sound, but Toronto sound is underground bumping. New York yeah. City, no, Premier, no, P-Rock. You can go way back, man. You can go back to the 80s, before, and they know, man, sure. right? So we have a sound that's been here. That's why 20 years later, your EP. That is our sound, dude. Perfect segue. Respect, you know, let, let's you. talk about that. that no, man. that is what everybody's talking about the last four or five years. That is sound. We got a history like 30 years, man. No 40 question. years yes, of music, exactly. man. That's our, so that's our sound. You can't talk about the last four. What about the last 28, nigga? Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good, right? Uh, that's yeah. been documented. That's why we're doing, articles, that's why we're doing press, this podcast. Thrust. Every major magazine, Vi, it's all there. Man. That's why Views in the Six is here. And Daniel, we're glad you're here with us. Right, oh, I'm here. glad to be here. So, yo, before we get out of here, let's yeah, talk about yeah. you putting out the new, the new record, right? Yeah, so you're right. It is a good segue because it was really important for me to... Uh, on this album represent this history that you just finished talking about this Toronto hip-hop history Canadian hip-hop history because I'm obviously not the only dude that have been around 20 years so it, it, it is bigger than just Dear Hip Hop having come out. We talked earlier in the podcast, like Dear Hip Hop came out as part of a compilation. So really, there's a lot of records celebrating 20 years. There's a lot of artists who've been in the game doing their thing for 20 years. And obviously, Thrust is among them, which is why I consider him a legend and he belongs on the League of Legends record. Right. Wes goes without saying. Kish is my brother. He's been around just as long. You know that. You guys are on cold front. Like, that's how far, you know. Um, I invited Mishy to be on the track, but she was busy on another project and stuff. Eternia's on the record. Mocha only. These are all artists from different walks of life, but all representative of our history, our sound that you just finished talking about. So to me, um, what makes me really proud of this album is not just that I can revisit you know my music from the 90s and give it an official release the way it always deserved and never got but that i can celebrate with others who also deserve to be celebrated you know i'm a fan of the people who's on this album you know talk about some of those people yeah like, well Yo, math is on there yeah so rap essentials the name of the song it wasn't even called that at first but after a while i'm like no this makes perfect sense the whole point of that record was for me to invite alumni from that project again acknowledging that it wasn't just dear hip-hop Dear Hip Hop was one of 12 songs. So I hollered at Rascals. Uh, I was talking to DJ Chemo, and they were down to do it. Again, they just weren't able to get it done by a certain time. Uh, Citizen Kane was invited. Same scenario. Everyone's got things going on. So I, I definitely hollered at Rap Essentials alumni. Uh, Math and Deuce came through. Fucking track is, is, is bonkers, and I'm super geeked that... They obviously did the record. Word. And, um, you know... That track. The, Dude, the, that track, honestly... That track, That's Wes's track. That track inspired me 
Like, you know when you hear a song? <laughs> it's been a long time to hear, I don't know, from my head. So, like, people just stuff. That inspired, like, dude, I gotta do something. I gotta write something, create For something. For real. Like, it gave me that's that little chill. I was like, oh, okay, I gotta go cook up a little something. It's like, when you used to go well, to the jam, you're a couple yeah. of beats, you go home. Remember that feeling? Yeah, you know course. what I'm talking about? It's give you that, oh, okay, man. Thanks, man. Like, when I hear Attic beat back in the day, Attic played a couple of joints. Oh, I gotta go back. Well, the shit is just straight dirt. It's a landscape beat, just straight dirt. And actually, the history of that record is he originally um, created it. It was called the Dear Hip Hop Flip because it samples the same pianos from Dear Hip Hop. Oh, okay, right. So he had done this project, this online sort of mixtape project, and flipped a bunch of popular samples, including that one. And eventually, uh, what I actually was going to do, so it's funny because you guys talked about this earlier in the podcast, was I was going to turn it into a monolith posse cut, which is going to be a, re, a rebirth of Dear Hip Hop that didn't come to be. So it turned into a Rap Essentials uh, tribute technically with okay. other, you know which is still similar the same concept because and what we did was and I'm so happy DJ Grouch uh, was willing to do the track we cut songs from Rap Essentials so do, uh, the Concrete Mob so it's pieces of Rap Essentials okay. pop, Boiling yeah. Point Learn to Earn chopped into the track with me Math and Deuce one of the songs with the placement no, I can't wait the to placement of every sound and cut <laughs> Yeah, we flip it. Yeah. It's one of those joints, dude. I've heard a song that a long time. Premier gonna stop the radio. So like, oh, I gotta run that back. Fuck. It's one of those ones, man. Like you've heard that. Have you ever heard heard a song flip like that? Probably like eight or nine years. Just with the intricacies of it. Respect. As a DJ, producer, artist, listener, you're gonna be impressed. You'll be I can't wait, man. And you got the other joint on there. It was dope. Uh, the combos are dope. Uh, it's you, Grimace, uh, Frankenstein, and Sean yeah. Claire. Okay. Yeah. So oh, it's young, yo. Yo, Shocks, man. You got you to gotta <laughs> jump back on that vibe. Shocks, man. Dilly. <laughs> you know Shocks was on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fri- oh, man. I just... Oh, that's an interesting record. Some that, that record is nice. That, that was... So that's a scam beat, too. And that was done while we were on tour. In fact, it was supposed to be... It was supposed to be the guys on tour. Interestingly enough... Uh, a lot of people don't know this. We formed our own little mini crew, I guess, for the purpose of the tour. We called the Seven Deadly Venoms because it was ha- a piece of it was Monolith, Me, Black Cat, and Wyo, and that was our show. Wyo and I did our a full hour as Daniel and Wyo K. Okay. And then Shaw Claire went on stage with Casey Thomas and Rodala, who was Afrolistic at the yeah. time, and DJ Supreme. Those were the four. The seven of us were the Seven Deadly Venoms of touring. So when we got off the road for a piece of that tour, uh, we got in the studio and I invited them to do a second version of Dear Hip Hop, which I called the second letter. It was supposed to be Wild. And I only remember that when I refound the lyrics. I was like, oh, yeah, Wild, because Wild's on tour. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember why he couldn't be part of it. So Grimace snatched his spot. And for those who don't know, if all y'all know about the UVEP, Frankenstein, Frankenstein right. the reason Grimace Love is on that song combined with Frankenstein mm-hmm. is because he met Grimace in that session. We did Dear Hip Hop, the second letter. He fell in love with Grim, brought him on that project. Yeah. And what ended up happening, I told you about those, those, those bootleg CDs I put out back then. The Dear Hip Hop, second letter, I had to strip Shaw Claire and Frankenstein's verse from the song because Shox was signed to Virgin at the time. And Lee, Dave Fedricks, Dave told, you know, we were cool. I was working in his studio. He was managing him. And I'm like, listen, man, I'm just going to give these songs away, bro. Is it cool? You know, Shox is in it. He's like, ah, you know, he signed to Virgin. That was that yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I don't want a headache from the label. So I had to take him out of the track. So Frank ended up re- revamping his verse, and he put it in the UV song. 
Shockler's verse was left in obscurity until now. Until now, yeah. And so this no. is the actual no. full version yeah, that man. was meant to be. Nice, man. Yeah. All right, so yo, when's the album dropping? All right, so the album drops October 6th officially. Um, it is available for pre-order now. So if you hit up danio.com or herbnet.com and find the Danio page, uh, you can pre-order the album. If you pre-order the album, whether it's the CD or the digital download, you will automatically get Dear Hip Hop and League of Legends right away um, so the original single and now the new lead single um, and the lead the, the, the single is out now the, the single League of Legends is out now the lyric video is out and it is on iTunes Spotify title all of those okay, great right. places um, so yeah please peep League of Legends it's it's a monumental posse cut for me real talk bro like listen as I, I'm you can't see it but I'm shaking thrust hand oh. and although I've sh- shaked you know shook your hands a million times like understand this and this is real like i'm a fan dog like i it's kind of cool the way you guys started the podcast and we did this whole my history thing like i'm still a fan okay Word. so i'm not it's not lost on me that to do a record especially a posse cut like who's doing that now a posse cut with maestro and kish and thrust mocha only attorney like i'm still kind of taken aback that i'm actually on the track you know what I'm saying? That's how yeah, I feel. Yeah, like, yeah. holy shit. Like, I'm a fan of the people. I know your songs, your videos. I got them on VHS somewhere. I tape rap CD. Like, watch you guys. The Northern Touch. Like, who doesn't know? You know what I'm saying? So I'm still one of those guys. And when Wes came by um, to shoot his part, we, had to, we shot the video over a few, several days. Um, you know, he, you know, he was showing love for the same rap essential song. People yeah. seem to like that one. Yeah. He's like, you know, and he, he was saying, you know, you're a staple, Dan. Like, you're, you're a staple in this this game. And I'm like... It's still crazy That's to me saying. to hear Maestro Fresh West say that yeah, to me. Because I was the kid who wanted his autograph when I saw him on TV, dog. Like, so I'm very proud of this release because, you know, it isn't just a celebration about me. Trust me when I tell you. I'm that dude who is still a fan and celebrates Toronto, celebrates Canada as a hip-hop nation, as a, as a nation of crazy talent that I don't have to explain to you guys and so to have you on the album is an honor to me you guys have done me the the hugest solid possible by blessing the track blessing the album making it something even big bigger than what it could have or would have been and I mean that for everybody who's on the album and big shout out by the way to everybody else including Illa J who did a record with me and it's sort of a quasi tribute to his brother. So we, you know, Jay Dilla again, and everyone know if you follow my career, you know I love Jay Dilla, and um, to do a track with his brother and tribute Jay Dilla to some degree because his voice is in the song too is again a mind blowing. I'm just like I'm I'm a fan of you know. Thank that. thank so, thank love the love your stuff to too. Dang. Okay, yo, yeah. yeah. thank car love with it too. On yo, that note, man, yo. Another great episode. October 6th, the album October comes 6th, out. October yeah. Daniel, thank you for coming through. Thank you, guys, man. This was fun, bro. I appreciate Yo, it. He's from the 6th, man. He's before, before the 6th. Yeah. Right, he's from right. the 6th. He's yeah. beyond the 6th. Let's keep That's it right, man. So, yo, don't forget... Uh, Subscribe, rate, comment on like iTunes, greatest, greatest. SoundCloud, all that shit. We're going to be getting up on Spotify soon. Dope. So, yo. Let's get it. Until the next episode. Big respect. Done, though. Mono love. Peace.